of two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah, have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you're paid so you're for. Saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> Hello and welcome uh, to a special edition of TNC, uh, the season preview that we have said in the title is going to be under one hour. So we better get into it. Josh, Nick Cabano, <laughs> Joey Lynch. This is kind of like the MacArthur front four. You know, I'm probably Daniel Arzani, uh, Josh Holly Devia, <laughs> uh, Bano Alhassan Torre, and uh, Joey De Silva. I give you that. But what I'm saying is, talent. We're talented. We're skillful. Josh, last night you were commentating uh, the Joeys, and we won 23 nil. I did. Uh, Josh, what did I say? Joey? It's a bad no, start. You said Joey. Oh, you said it right. He just said the Joeys, the under 17s, not Joey, but the Joeys. And I am coming to you. From regional Victoria, so I do have to add the Barnaby Josh hat. Uh, it is election time. Um, I I was driving around Shepparton today. That it's po- the posters are covering everything. One candidate whose name is Cheryl Hammer's slogan is hashtag Hammer Time, which I think deserves a cease and desist. Uh, but yes, I am on the campaign trail in regional Victoria, uh, coming to you on dodgy internet from the cheapest motel that money can buy. Uh, and I was commentating last night as the Joeys annihilated the Northern Mariana Islands 23-0. Get some of that in your Northern Mariana Islands. Get that up, yeah. Um, Come on. Uh, uh, legitimately a country with a smaller population than Shepparton, where the tournament is being hosted. So I, only 57. I've never heard of it. Had you ever heard of it? There. I've never heard of this country. I hadn't, I, I hadn't, but then I Googled it, and then the main island is Saipan, which I had heard of. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird country because it's like a U.S. overseas territory, but because they're so far away, they um, even though they all have U.S. passports, they all compete as a separate country. It's a really interesting history. They've all got American accents, which was like super surprising. Um, but uh, yes, the main sports there are baseball and basketball, and they've got a tiny population. So when it comes to an under seventeen, oh, right. it looks like a lovely part of the world, team, Josh. It's n- yeah, it's a really like beautiful tropical paradise holiday destination. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes to an under seventeen's national team, if you like soccer and you're under seventeen in the Northern Mariana Islands, you're probably <laughs> in. So I don't think it was any any slight against them that they went down twenty three nil. Nor do I think it was a slight against the Joeys that they kept trying to score goals because goal difference is actually super important in this tournament yeah. when it comes to top spot. China. W- weren't holding back against Cambodia. They smashed them 9-0, which was a real statement given that the Joeys actually lost to Cambodia, or the under-16s rather, lost to Cambodia, many of the same players in both squads back in August. So um, basically, once China laid down that market that afternoon. Uh, Honda's gone. Honda's gone recently. He he apologised that he couldn't do more for Cambodian football in his uh, his farewell post. But uh, yes, uh, after China had laid down that marker in the afternoon, uh, the Joeys really... I uh, had to give it some welly in the evening, and that they did with uh, with four goals for Nestori Iran Kunda. All right, look, sorry guys. I, I, just I before we say... before we before no, no, I was going to say right. before you continue, Stoll. Uh, for those that have been doing their research about the Northern Mariana Islands, as I said, it's a beautiful part of the world, mate. The Sapin World Resort looks like wet and wild, and I got to say. I think that's going to be my next like holiday destination. There's a big ass. There's like three big ass water slides in the in the resort. I'm there, mate. Like, you All know, right. like that looks awesome. Who 
wouldn't yeah, want to go there. Nick, Nick DeBarno Nick, goes overseas and then doesn't leave the resort. This is this is meant to be under an hour, and we're talking about resorts in a country I'd never heard of until <laughs> yesterday. All right, this is a disaster. Already, already, we've got Peter Kakia ridiculous. Only one hour. Run them memes. Lol, one hour. These people are doubting us. We need to prove the doubters wrong. All right. This is. I feel like I'm Arnie talking to the Socceroos. All right. No one believes in us that we can do it under an hour. But with our DNA, we can. I can make you millionaires. Um, shout out Ben Smith, who says greeting from Brussels uh, on a train to Brussels. Greeting from Belgium. Wackery. Ben, how good is your Wi-Fi? Can we need someone to come on and talk Perth glory? Um, basically, <laughs> so someone in the chat will send you uh, a link. If you can make it, great. If you can't, whatever. Uh, don't take your shirt off. That's only I'm only allowed to do that when overseas in Europe. Second, this is how it's going to work tonight. All right, the twelve teams in the A League. Uh, we're going to go five minutes on each. I don't know if that the five minutes is going to be any good. At the end of the five minutes, we'll just say where we think they're going to finish. We might get confused and say a team is going to finish eighth, and then see another team is going to finish eighth. Do not hold us to account. All right, that's not what this is about. Right, it's about just getting this out, getting it done, and you know having a great time. So, so it's five minutes each, each like on this, each this, team, right? Yeah. So five twenty minutes, minutes total on each time. You get five minutes on them. I get five minutes on them. Bullshit. Let's get into it. All right. <laughs> get get your comments in. All I hear is these are these are the words of someone who's very sleep deprived after a big Champions League <laughs> mornings. We are not. We go as long as we need to. Next stop, Adelaide United. We got four minutes and fifty four seconds. The human handbrake, Carl Veer. Josh, how do you think he's going to go this season? Keep it snappy. Let's go. <laughs> Keep it snappy. Uh, good that they've got Halloran and Goodwin <laughs> locked in. But how many significant signings have they really made? You know, how many uh, big acquisitions, headline acquisitions are there for Adelaide this season? That's my big question. How are they going to improve on fourth place when they've basically got the entire same team? Um, yes, they brought through some young players recently. Alexander Popovich looks fantastic, but still that midfield composition, Isaias one day, maybe a few more minutes for Dorigo. It doesn't seem like Adelaide has really kicked on or improved or built on what they had last year. Well, you're right, Josh, in the sense that their other major additions beyond the return of Ben Halloran are Harry van der Sarg and Ben Wallens to cast-offs from, not cast-offs, two young players from Sydney FC that weren't getting minutes at the Harbourside and have gone out seeking greener pastures um, elsewhere. I, Adelaide, I think actually looking at, well, I didn't do the research, but looking at the research somebody else did, I think Adelaide are amongst the most consistent teams in the A-League men in the sense that they are constantly in or around the mix for finals. I think if you look at their mean ladder position, certainly over the past 10, 11 years, maybe throughout the history of the competition, they sort of have the most consistent placing. It's always, you know, four, fifth, sixth, maybe with an outlier season here or there. So it sort of feels churlish to declare that Adelaide are going to collapse and fall towards the, the bottom of the table. I feel there are worse teams in the A-League men than them. And I feel there are teams with a, lower floor than them but I yeah I would have my doubts around the red ceiling um about just if they can make that breakthrough and they've got talent up top Goodwin and Halloran feeding Ibusuki Ibusuki's just gonna you know, he's gonna he's an Easter Island statue he's gonna get on the end of a lot of their service and score that's what he does but concerns around defensive depth and just if they've got enough talent to beat the best teams in the league
Yeah, Dubano. I think this season for me, um, they're just going to be where they always are because they haven't gotten any worse, but they haven't really gotten any better. I think the Ben Halloran signing is a really good one. I mean, I could only think of positive things to think that that would only bolster their attacking third. Um, and they've got, obviously, the the goals and assists machine, Craig Goodwin, uh, Josh's boy in the team that, you know, he's we know what he's going to get and what he's going to do in terms of output. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what the midfield makeup is next year, you know, is – is Calviert going to pivot away from Wande and Isaias and actually look to incorporate someone like Louis Dorigo, uh, look to incorporate someone like Josh Cavallo midfielder. I think Josh Cavallo actually said this season he's not playing as a left back. He's going to be playing further up the pitch. At least that's where he's been um, training in preseason. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But they've got some good young kids, and I'm very curious to see how they kick on this year. Popovich, uh, Johnny Yule, Bernardo is going to be out for the first few weeks as well because he's away, and same with Nestor Ironkunda. But I'm curious to see how they sort of all come together and what sort of development um, they have this season in terms of where they go with their just individual progress this season. But for me, uh, it's looking like another somewhere between third and sixth or third and seventh for me. They're, they're just, it's going to be probably another elimination final or semi-final appearance for them. And we'll see if they can, maybe they could shock us all and go a bit further. Uh, Chuck Meat says via YouTube, get your comments in. Uh, Adelaide's window was terrible. Does kind of seem to be the consensus. And, you know, it's a tough kind of property market at the moment as well. So George Blackwood might be affected. Um, let me kind of, Nick gave us your prediction. Uh, Joey Hold on, stop. What are your, what's your analysis? What's your thoughts? Uh, my <laughs> thoughts is they were boring last season. They'll probably be boring this season. But, um, you know, like you say, like they'll, they'll be probably top six. I reckon they'll probably be around... I reckon they'll be bang on six. Nice. <laughs> Joey, Josh, the give <laughs> they've got the, I, I, I think, did my yeah. kit rankings for ESPN yesterday. They've got the best oh, time kits in the kit. league. hundred percent. Good shout, Joey. Mm. All right. Anyone else? Want I, to say I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to just miss. I think they're going to be seventh. Ooh. I've got them in. I've got them in I'm not going to predict one through 12. Boring. I've got them in the mid tier of teams. Oh, could boo. play finals. Could miss out. Yeah. Um, <coughs> FB Skippy asked for the record: Did this start late or on time? That's the good thing about not announcing when you're starting. <laughs> you can't. You can't be held accountable. The answer is: We started, I think, late because we were meant to start at five, and then I was still yeah. sleeping at five. So, but the beautiful Champions thing League was. We, we, we pushed the chat out because we were actually talking about tomato sauce. So we continued our tomato chat from last week. And that's why we started late because uh, we we're chatting about how we make our sauce. So uh, in the comments, let us well, know how you make your yeah. tomato sauce as well. That's true. Good news that's for true. everybody watching along. The TNC panel is universal in making our own pasta sauce. None of it all used right. the store-bought stuff. Let me give you a tip as well. All right. Here's a tip. You want the sauce to be very, like, just nice on, on your pasta. Put a little bit of olive oil on the pasta first so the yeah. sauce just stays on it really beautifully. It's it's like the sauce's best friend. It just it just allows it to have a great time on the pasta. All right, all right that's oh. good, Devon. Keep all us right. on time. I couldn't, I couldn't disagree more, Stoll. <laughs> the magic is the starch in the pasta cooking water. That's what helps it adhere to the pasta itself. You've got to add a bit of the cooking water back in. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You've got to do that too, but you've got to put a bit of olive oil, extra virgin, on and and choose high quality olive oil. Then choose like the shit that yeah, 
All right. Choose the good stuff and then put that. This is a cooking podcast. Uh, we just uh, <laughs> we've changed. Ben Smith says one day in SAS double pivot made me stop watching Adelaide last season. Right? It's an issue. All right. All right. Let's get on to Brisbane Raw. Um, who wants to go first on Brisbane Raw? Brisbane Raw, they're not going to be as incredibly frustrating and, dare I say it, absolutely painful to watch going forward this season than they were last season. I don't think, I think Brisbane Raw had the worst ratio of actual created chances to converted chances in the entire league last season. Obviously, bringing in Charlie Austin, former Premier League striker, um, amazing talker, very forthright, very good media performer, open invite to Charlie Austin, come on TNC. Um, he's going to help them, as, as Josh has observed and has been observed elsewhere. He's looking like he's going to play more of a pivot role, serving as a point of reference um, for that attack. Players can be running off him. The return of Riku uh, Danzaki on loan again. We've what seen what he can do. Um, in this team and the excitement that he can bring in. So there's going to be excitement on that front. However, again, concerns around depth, uh, depth of talent, concerns around depth of top-line talent, especially we've seen them as you know good of a story Joel Knowles is. They're very deep on NPL um, talent uh, brought up and things like that. Tom Aldred missed a lot of football last season with fitness concerns and the like. And it's impossible to talk about Brisbane Raw without talking about the upheaval in the playing group that has occurred over this offseason, the Corey Brown affair. One would have to think that that is playing on the minds of the Brisbane Raw players, that affair, the moving around, the training base shamozzle. Um, I mean, we've seen people who are, would you would think are in the know up there in Queensland, you know, saying talking down Brisbane's hopes and the like. So there has to be concerns that that off-field drama is going to bleed in, affect morale in the dressing room and potentially derail their season. Josh, uh, thoughts on Brisbane Raw? I, I I have some major concerns. Uh, I would echo what Joey said about the Corey Brown situation. I do think having Charlie Austin up top gives them a focal point that they just simply didn't have last season. They had no one who could play with their back to goal and receive the ball to feet and be, you know, that target man. As to how that actually affects his goal scoring output, I'm interested to see because I don't think that Charlie Austin physically is able to drop deep and then get all the way up the pitch into the, and spring into the box and score that often. I uh, when I saw them play in the Australia Cup. I felt that he could either do one or the other. He can either be a goal scorer or he can be the center for them to play into and it'll have to fall to the wingers to score the goals. And yes, Riku Danzaki is a big addition, but yeah, I, I just I, I just think they're asking too much of Austin if they're trying to make him be all things to all, um, all people and, and basically do a Beckham Mikkel Tadze. Dubana? Yeah, I, I echoed these statements in regards to having a bit of concern for them. Um, you know, when you look at the actual acquisitions on paper in terms of Austin Danzaki, even Jordan Courtney Perkins, Joe Knowles and Carlo Amiento, they're all pretty good signings. But as mentioned, as Josh has spoken about, there is a lot of reliance on Charlie Austin sort of uh, making stuff happen from nothing. But I think Danzaki helps alleviate that a little bit. He was very good two seasons ago. And if he can, you know, play in a similar manner or and you know, have a similar output, 
that's only going to be a benefit for Brisbane. I mean, Henry Hawes had a had a good end to last season and a, a very sort of, I think, a solid Australia Cup um, sort of uh, stint as well. And they've still got J.O. Shade and such. Um, but defensively, they're looking a little bit shaky. Like other than Tom Aldred and Port- Courtney Perkins, I think they're looking a bit, I don't know. So for me, uh, there's a prediction for this season. I think they're going to miss the finals and will probably be in the bottom four. I, I, yep, go. For our for, he's mentioned him now, so our first of the season. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I finished The Sopranos last night, by the way. What a show. Hey, how good. Um, what a show. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think they're really going to struggle. I think that off-field stuff catches up with you. I don't mind the midfield pairing of uh, O'Shea and Akbari, but just, you know, Denzaki is a player I love, and I'm going to love watching him uh, for Brisbane Road. I think Charlie Austin will be successful this season, but I, mm, I, I just don't think that they're going to make uh, finals. A um, couple of uh, good points coming in in the comments. Chuck Meat. Raw had a good attack with Austin Denzaki and Miliuznich, but a shaky defense without Tom Aldred. Um, Shotskis says, outlook for the season, again, for Brisbane Raw is particularly great. Feels like they've brought in Austin and Riku, but otherwise the squad still lacks quality. Another week off-season, courtesy of owners. Uh, and then run the memes uh, with the slanderous opinions. Three-fourths of the crew is still half asleep. Mate, we're working hard. All right, Which one's the hard. awake one? Okay. This is yeah, what he exactly. does. No, no. He, he's trying to he's trying to get a bit of infighting happening and that we all claim to be the awake one. All right, I know what you're doing. Run their memes. I don't like it. Uh, FB just, just ask. Go on. No, no, I was just going to say, but go go to this comment, then I'll go to the next one. All right, go go. Did Josh steal Nick's microwave, or is that a motel in Shepparton? Uh, yes and yes. Yeah. Can, <laughs> he he can, takes it with can, him everywhere he goes. It's a good luck. I can over. smell. I can smell that motel from here, Josh, having stayed in plenty of those on my trips to Geelong, like similar ones. Like that has that real motel-y smell and I'm getting like the shivers right now from my last stay down there. Um, like that real <laughs> yuck soapy. Ugh, that, is like, a, that, is a, that is a disturbing statement, Nick DeBano. You no, can... but you can smell a motel. Like you know the motel uh, smell. It's like the new car smell. You know what I mean? Like new car you know, smells nice. Not the yeah, but it's the opposite. It goes to show you that if Nick DeBarno sends you a DM asking you to come back to his motel room, don't say yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh he's, he's, he's the bloke blowing up at us about talking all of these dating app jokes, and then he's the one bringing up spending a no, lot of time I'm in cheap motels. Saying, from the what are we supposed to do motels. with this? When you walk into a motel room, it stinks. <laughs> like I'm just being honest. Let us know in the had a lot of experience with that, Nick Devano. Yeah, because I had to work in Geelong, for God's sake. I had to make trips down there. I had to find a place overnight. Uh, No, the question I was going to ask is, Shotsky's asked, Devano, can you confirm? What am I confirming? Can you please clarify that for me, Shotsky? Motel smells. Yeah. Well, yeah, motel smells. I'll give that to you, mate. Don't worry. I'll I'll, I'll explain it. (laughs) Hey, just quickly, does anyone actually think Brisbane Rock can make the finals? In, only in the sense that the A-League is a completely bonkers league and that you yeah. can fashion yeah. a narrative that every single club can sure, make sure. the finals. Can make it, right. yeah. Good caveat, but having said that, we don't think they're making the finals. It's a big All season right. for Warren Moon, I think. Warren Moon. Huge season for lot Warren of, Moon. A lot of, lot of goodwill for him, local Queensland lad, um, has shown tactical aptitude at times. Big season for him. 
Oh, big, big call uh, from Nicholas via YouTube. If Raw can perform like we did for the first 60 minutes of the match against Adelaide away in the cup, we will be top four. You heard it here first. I like it, Nicholas. If if they do make the top four, we will give you credit. Uh, If they don't, we'll probably forget about it. Um, (laughs) We're going to forget about it either so he's going to have to remind us. Yeah, the the clarification is, sorry, that was way back about Stoll's olive oil client. No, Stoll's bang on. He's bang on. Hey, hey. He's 100%. Um, all right. Debano, because you've complimented me, uh, I'm going to come to you first on the Central oh, Coast Mariners. Nice. How do you think they're going to go this season? Um, look, I actually think they're going to be very competitive again this season. Uh, I think Nick Montgomery's done a great job. Well, last season did a great job with them. But again, he's always going to be up against it because it seems like every year with, with the Mariners, they lose a plethora of players and a plethora of important players and have to bring a whole new bunch of new important players in. I mean, this year they've lost Mark Birigidi, Kai Rolls, Mark Orenia, uh, Lewis Miller, you know, Matt Simon is a locker room player. Obviously he didn't play last year, but that importance in the locker room will lose Garan Cole later on as well. But I'm curious to see what some of these new guys can bring in. I mean, Danny Vukovic is a, is a known quantity between the sticks. He's a good replacement. But some of the foreign guys, I mean, Kalechi John, Paula Yongo, Marco Tulio. No, that's not Marco Tulio. Marco Tulio uh, to see what they can do this year. But I think they're going to be like, I think they're going to be just thereabouts in that sort of mid-tier. They If they make finals, they'll be in that lower half of the of the bottom six. But We'll probably be on the on the precipice because they've got enough quality. And, I mean, they're going to be a hard team to break down because we know what we're going to get from Nick Montgomery's side in the 4-4-2. Um, and I'm really excited to see Cummings in a full season. I reckon he could genuinely, genuinely win the Golden Boot this season. I think he's right up there. You know, we'll push Jamie McLaren, who obviously, you know, has won it, I think, three seasons in a row. But I think if anyone could potentially knock McLaren off his perch, it could potentially be Jason Cummings this season uh, with a full year down here. So seeing how he links up and who he links up with, if they can fill that or, or that really important Mark Gordena role, is going to be a very, very intriguing thing to watch as this season rolls on, whether it's Moresche, whether it's uh, Tulio playing further up or, or a Yongo. I think that's going to be a curious watch. Josh, uh, what are your thoughts on the Mariners this season? Well... Garen Quoll has is going. They won't get the ridiculous boost that he gave them last season, scoring every time he came on the pitch. I'm interested to see how Cummings plays after Graham Arnold inevitably leaves him out of the World Cup squad. Wow. Wow. Because he came here to play for the Socceroos. And when Arnold inevitably disappoints us all and picks someone else and uh, his dream dies... Is he going to be the same motivated player? It's a good That's point. Could it be the opposite? It's a good. Could point. it be the Joey? BFU season? You know, or could it yeah. be? Or could could he make the World Cup squad and then the Mariners miss him for an entire month and their season goes to pieces? Like either way, it could go could, could go south. Yeah. Or, you know, could he? Hey, 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 they've got an even better point. Could he potentially have the big <laughs> FU season, not get picked up by the Socceroos, and then say, you know what, I'm going back and I'm playing for Scotland instead? Oh, Ooh. brutal. And absolutely well, tears no, he can't. it up. He's like already... Scotland say, you know what? He's, 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 he can play for Scotland. Oh, he's not Yeah, He's, he's not played, tired. He's, he's, got, he's, he's, he's got double, double the amount Scotland of senior too. international caps for Scotland than he does Australia. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, Joey, uh, can you make an even better point than Dabano's even better point? 
Well, on Garang, on the Garang front, it is going to be interesting because I know we were talking about it on the podcast and Vince Regari's article in the Sydney Morning Herald today confirms it, that he has been called up into the into the young Socceroos squad for Asian qualifying, which means that he will, at the very least, miss week two of the Mariners' campaign, possibly will miss week three against Perth Glory as well. And one also has to keep into account that he has... And he was very recently um, in Newcastle, um, hanging out and signing contracts and hanging out with the fans. And he just flew back to Australia. So admittedly, he was never going to start their round one game against the New York Jets, but the New York Jets, the Newcastle Jets. So what state is he going to even be for round one? Is it going to be a case of Kual? You know, it's not like, you know, he's the type of player that probably needs much of a preseason given his impact, but... This heavily disrupted lead-in, what does that do even before they lose him to Newcastle? I think Arania is a massive, massive loss for this mm. club. He was low-key one of the best players. At times, he was low-key one of the best players in the A-Leagues when he was out here. So he's going to be really a really huge loss. And what I'm also looking at is that back four. They've lost Lewis Miller, Kai Rolls, and Oliver Bazan. Not Oliver Bazan. And... Why am I blanking on their keeper's name? Mark Berigetti. They've lost three key contributors from that back four. Obviously, Danny Vukovic has come in. This podcaster, Dan Hall, truthers. We all think that he was the actual linchpin in there. I'm going to keep making my point, Nick Stoltz, so you might as well put the phone down. But a lot of the time, that uh, the Mariners were kept in games by that back four, whereas in years past, the Mariners' defence would just fold. This time... Um, they had Birigidi and that back four that were able to bail them out when their midfield and their attack gave way. Can that safety blanket, that safety net remain for this season? I think is going to be a big question as well. Yeah, I think Qual will struggle. The, the big to, question, um, Joey, is, is how how, how will the New York Jets perform in the yeah. AFC East? You know, yeah. And also, you know, Qual, how does he go kind of against the Miami Dolphins? Like that's going to be, you know, can he get past that defense? I think, I think the, the Dolphins are they going to the Dolphins are, are they going to play with a receiver? No, the Dolphins. The, the Dolphins are a negligent organization. Oh, no, no, no. Blah, 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 blah. ESPN does not criticize any NFL Raiders, team, mate. especially on the TNC thing. I had to mute. Mate, uh, ESPN Joya. would love us to criticize the NFL. Haven't you seen Stephen A. Smith makes a career out of hating on the Cowboys. All right. Well, he's got his own podcast. We got ours. Uh, ben Smith says <laughs> Nick at the hotel you. motel. Um, he, uh, Nick, we lost you there for a minute. You got hit with the microwave, uh, TV app, TV back. app, double, right, double whammy, mate. I ran downstairs. Uh, yeah, like, sorry. <laughs> nah, nah, mate. Um, not, not literally. Nah, nah. Um, not yours, Josh. Daniel, Daniel says they're coming to, uh, it's peak. They're about to explode this season. Very nice. Um, Chuck Meat, Chuck Meat, man, man, you're giving some good comments today. Central Coast Mariners have brought in some smart replacements and could make finals, but I think they just miss out. I kind of as well. Uh, you know, I think, I don't know if those Portuguese players, it's interesting that they've all come from Portugal. I imagine one agent might be behind that. Um, but yeah, the central midfield. Hey, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first time that one agent has recruited the entire Mariners squad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the central co the central midfielder looks a bit stale without Bazanic. Yeah, I mean the fact that he was abducted by UFO and now has returned to the Wanderers. One of the kind of underrated storylines of this season. Not many people uh, are talking about it. But what we are going to be talking about is the Australia Cup champions, Macarthur, Joey. I'll come to you first. Maybe you'll give us a 
eight minute answer, uh, you know, a bit shorter than your usual ones. Uh, MacArthur, <laughs> thoughts on them this season? Wow, I think MacArthur are going to be a much more interesting side to watch um, this season. Obviously, we saw them in the cup. We listed off the various attackers that they have already in this show Daniel De Silva, Daniel Arzani, Al Hassan Toure, Ulysses Devere, even Lachlan Rose has a job in that side. He's sort of like the energy energizer bunny running around pressing and doing some of the dirty work as well. They are going to be if it clicks into place, a fun side to watch this this season, I think. Now, how much of that is down to Dwight York's coaching versus perhaps a lack of coaching from Dwight York, more so just telling them, just go, telling the kids to go out there and have fun? Who knows? But that is, um, you know, when they've got talented players like that, it's going to be fun to watch. I do have concerns surrounding their defensive Depth. It, it feels like every side sort of in the competition have, has concerns around their defensive depth. But MacArthur, I feel like, especially in transition, they could prove very lethal going one way, but also very, um, oh, just very open the other way as well. Um, Porous, and it's going to be interesting to, uh, and it's going to be interesting to just see how much especially when they have the ball for long stretches of time, how much of their attack is only is going to function as a result of collective ability um, and functionality and all the parts working together well versus just passing the ball to one of your good players and expecting them to do something. So that's going to be interesting to watch heading into this season. Also interested to see uh, Mario Williams, the Antiguan uh, midfielder come defender, because we've never had an Antiguan before. He's never played out the Caribbean before. He's a complete magical mystery to um, Speaking of magical mystery, uh, Nick DeBano, uh, thoughts on MacArthur this season? Uh, they're going to be fun. I mean, they've got a lot of saucy players. It's going to be fun watching them with Arzani, the Silver, the Villa, the lot of them, right? Like, But defensively, I, as we've all said, there there are some concerns when they come up against better teams. Um, you know, what is that starting back for? Is it Aspro and, and Uzkok uh, as the starting centre-back partnership? Does Alex Suzanya work his way in? Does, do we see Mario Williams, uh, you know, the, the cross-code athlete, you know, former NFL player, potentially slotting in the back half? As well, sorry, Tao, for stealing your joke. Um, but he's it, not an actual also... former NFL player to all our listeners, by the way. It's a namesake. It's a namesake. Yes, but also, me, me you and know, Josh by... were like, "Oh wow, is he?" <laughs> but by by sheer weight <laughs> of their attacking quality, I think they're going to be a very they're going to be a hard team to beat because I reckon they could actually score and score in big volumes with just the guys that they're putting in around whoever leads the line. You know, Craig Noon's still there as well. Um, you know, who's obviously going to come in and add something different too. So um, I'm quite bullish about them this season. I think, well, no pun intended, uh, but I think they're going to be probably somewhere between that, you know, as it sounds boring, it's the, it's the new under 2.5, right? Uh, it's, Played fourth and eighth for me for the Bulls. Uh, I tell you what's not fun your microwave and TV app. Um, Josh, uh, without saying they're going to be good in attack and potentially poor in defense, uh, can you give me some analysis on the car? 
I, I don't know that they will be poor in defence. I think they lack name recognition in defence. They were really solid throughout their Australia Cup run. Maybe they maybe they had, as Nick storms out, maybe they had um, uh, a, a, few, uh, a weaker draw, perhaps. I'm, I'm getting distracted here. Uh, they had a weaker draw than, than some of the other teams. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm ready to say... Yes, this Dwight York side is obviously going to be defensively terrible just because some of the names back there aren't exactly, um, you know, stellar. I, I think it's based on system and how well Dwight can mm. can coach that. Um, going forward the other way, I think we're all excited about what they could bring and the freedom that those wingers are going to be allowed to play with. I think Al Hassan Toure could have a really, really big season. Um, yep. uh, you know, playing off the right hand side. Um, and with a coach that clearly, clearly believes in him and is willing to, to give him plenty of minutes and, and empower him, I suppose. Um, I've, I've got them way up there. I mean, I think you have to after their Australia Cup performances. I've got them in third. Boom. Boom. I got them top two, baby. Top two for MacArthur. All right. Let's do it. The remontada season. Let's go, I Bulls, f- baby. I feel like we also need... There's one the remontada of the even, Bulls. We didn't even name him when we were listing off their attack in depth. They got Craig Noon, you know, yeah. coming in as oh, well, who's Tabano shown said, what he Tabano can do. Tabano mentioned Noon. Did he? I couldn't mm-hmm. hear yeah, him yeah. over before, the Before everything, everything uh, went, to, went to shit. Before everything yeah. went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, my God. Look, we mentioned Craig Noon. Um, while Dubano's internet is working, I'm going to ask him about Melbourne City. Uh, yeah. Dubano, thoughts on Melbourne City this year? Uh, you know, it kind of... They were champions the season before, dropped down a bit. And then, you know, are, are we seeing a further decline for them? Will the decline continue? Well, or was that just a little blip and is it going to go straight back up? It's funny because, like, they declined, but they didn't. Like, they declined in a sense, like, they still won the premiership. Um, mm, but that's true. it's just, it was not a very convincing premiership. I mean, they didn't yeah. beat a top four team for the entire regular season. They beat Adelaide in that second leg semi and they made sure to remind everyone, hey, we actually beat a top four team. So you can't, you know give us any stick about that anymore or ask us questions and bring up our bad record. But you can't help but think a little bit about that grand final. But in the same vein, they are still have a lot of quality in this team. They've done very well this offseason, bringing in Valen Barisha and Thomas Alam in particular, who I think are, are two very handy acquisitions. Uh, Barisha to replace Connor Metcalf and uh, Lamb to play either as a centre-back or play as a six while Aidan O'Neill slowly gets back to full fitness. So whether he slots in alongside Ray or Curtis Good, it's it, it's a it's an upgrade on Roston Griffiths, who was getting towards the end of his career. Um, going forward, they're going to score a lot of goals this season. I still expect they're going to win a lot of games just by sheer weight of quality. What they've got going forward, um, you know that that front three and with Tilio and and such, they've got enough quality there. Just defensively, it still concerns me a little bit. I mean, last season they could see a lot of goals in transition. Um, you know, and they looked very porous in that sense, especially against teams that could hit them quickly down the flanks. Um, AKL Western United did so well against them last year, and that's obviously a storyline to watch uh, tomorrow night. But, um, yeah, like, I I think still this season they're going to be right up there. I think Barisha's going to be a great signing for them. I think Tilio, should he, you know, continue to do what he does, I think he's going to be a very handy player for them um, this year. And go to another level. So for me, they're going to be a top. They're going to be a top three team. They're going to have a home final. So I guess we'll just wait and see. You know whether it all clicks again for them. 
uh, when it gets to the nitty gritty, because I think that teams like Victory and Western United are going to be right up there again, and they're going to be potentially the way that they play and the way that they've hit them in recent times could cause them still the same problem. So I'm curious to see if uh, how they defend in transition this year and whether, you know, uh, that's been something of... Oh. Almost. Almost got an answer. Keep your answer short, Dubano, because we well, can barely see. hear you. Dubano talked a lot about Marco Tilio there. I don't think Tilio starts for this team. Wow. I think he played 53.3% of available match minutes last season. I think he's going to have to uh, get a little bit fortunate, more so not anything to do with his own skill, but just to upgrade on that sheer because, because of the sheer weight of numbers in that Melbourne City attack. Leckie, Nabu, and McLaren are clearly the first choice attackers up, up top. But then behind that, you've got Florin Berenier, Valon Barisha, and Vanderven in there as well, all veterans. Inevitably, one of them is going to get poochied. However, there's just so much attacking talent in there. Um, I'm not 100% certain that Tilio starts regularly or plays even extended minutes off the bench in that team, which is going to affect his World Cup case. We're talking about the likes of Arzani and Kuo. his World Cup case. Yeah. He might well, go yeah. World Cup if he doesn't play. If he doesn't start. If he doesn't start, yes, he that, that's, that's the point I was working to my way towards, Nick Stoll. Thank you very much. We are experiencing some technical difficulties. They may be microwave-related. Please stand by. Hey guys, we know you love your footy, but perhaps you fancy a bit of rugby too. If so, then why not check out ESPN Scrum Reset, where Sam Bruce and Christy Doran discuss all the hot topics in the game, from Super Rugby to the Wallabies and All Blacks, and even further afield. Available wherever you get your pods. Cancel culture has gone too far. They wanted to cancel us. We say too many hot takes. All right, they try and take us off the air. They try to censor us. They want to, they know what we give you. All right. We give you so much joy and cancel culture comes in and it's just like, how dare these, uh, what's the opposite of woke, uh, asleep, <laughs> sleep deprived, <laughs> um, <laughs> football people. How dare they? And we got canceled baby, but you know what? You know, we believe in, uh, you know, free speech and blah, blah, and all that crap. Um, so Joey, uh, I believe I'm, in I'm free starting speech, to think that maybe yeah, I was just going to say, I'm starting to think my microwave was sent back by Skynet and it's like the initial Terminator design and I think that it's literally coming after our podcast. Maybe that's maybe that's why the microwave, that's why we bought it. It was by fate. It, it, this is supposed to have happened. Hey, shout out Nicholas Webster. First comment back uh, in the Facebook. Love a little TNC on a Thursday afternoon. Well, guess what, people? You get two because this is in two parts uh, because cancel hey, culture. It was the only way it was going to be under an hour is if we split it into two. <laughs> <laughs> we Trust did it, baby. We did it. This is part two. This it. will be the god. This will be the Godfather part two of two-part two A League Men season. Previous. Are we going to get someone play a young Joey then? Yeah. 
Um, like we have the Al Pacino, Robert De Niro sort of situation here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Joey, finish your point about um, Tilio, and you know, don't let the the woke uh, lefties silence you <laughs> from saying what we all know to be true. So Marco Tilio, I don't think I think he's facing an uphill battle to get enough minutes to go to the World Cup, and then in the event that he misses the World Cup. Who knows what Marco Tilio wants to do? Does he want to stick around Melbourne City? Um, or does he finally want to make the move to Europe before his game stagnates with not enough game time? Um, interesting situation at right back. Callum Talbot has been playing more minutes in preseason than Scott Galloway. Have an inkling that he might start uh, in their round one game against Western United, which will be interesting because we know the Western we know the Melbourne City system relies a lot on their fullbacks in converting and doing stuff. I've heard during preseason that they've been experimenting even more with that inverted fullbacks, maybe bringing those in even more, having the wingers drop back and then having the eights move into the space where the wingers have been. It's going to be interesting to see if we see that um, in the games themselves. Um, also, really looking at this Melbourne City side, though, on a, on a very high level, the only way this Melbourne City side season can be considered a success is silverware. That is the expectation that they, they that they have set themselves. That is the um, the standards that we should be holding them to as the side with, that has an embarrassment of riches depth pretty much all over the park. Um, you know, incredible facilities, incredible network of intellectual property around the world. ESPN recently ran an article during the offseason just about just how widespread the scouting and the communications between the various clubs in the CFGR. Um, so really the ultimate arbiter for success for this Melbourne city side is trophies. Are they winning silverware come the end of the season? Uh, it's very good points. I'm loving the comments uh, coming in. FB Skippy says, I blame this all on Nick Stubb trying to enforce parliament. It's true. All right. We have rules on this thing. And what happens? Try and put a bit of structure around it. And the the society just tears you down. All right. You know, those in power try to bring us to our knees. Um, Osgood said, uh, the man in the top left knows his stuff. Now, is that a perspective of, of the audience's top left? Or kind of the top left from us I going out. The, so it might mean I you. Think the perception is. I think. I think it's you, Stoll. I think. Stop yeah. trying to play it off. All right. Stop trying to be all like you know. Oh yeah, it's not. Might not be me. Might I'm not, I'm not going to pretend Take like it. I don't know Oz in real life, and I haven't worked <laughs> with him in the past. But shout out Oz, uh, expert on Turkish football. What a dude. Alan well, Riley says. Comment coming in from Nick Stoll's mum, who says he's a lovely boy. <laughs> <laughs> trust me that wouldn't be the case uh she was concerned that i was a nazi last week <laughs> you could messing with the pod from the ufo uh just invite him on guys exactly ante all right you know what you got an open invitation you come down from your ufo you can be on uh josh first game of the season is melbourne city western united how much do you think kind of that will condition uh the season for melbourne city First of all, I don't think your uh, your Stephen Crowder impression at the start of this part two is going to put your mum's concerns to rest. Um, <laughs> Who is Stephen Crowder? I don't know. One of, those, one of those reactionary right wing oh, guys yeah. with a CGI background. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, look, I I think Melbourne City have recruited too well to have them outside of the top two, top three, top four. Um, mm. I have concerns about the decision making the selections, the continued insistence on 
hierarchy, it seems, and players that just have more experience, therefore uh, given more game time, and the younger players like Tilio, but also Jordy Boss and, and some of the others um, haven't... I, I don't think they've been sufficiently rewarded for their performances in the time that they have got on the pitch. And this is going to be a team that's going to be seriously impacted by Socceroos' call-ups to the World Cup, let's not forget. So, you know, that's going to impact their season one way or another. But I just I just think the squad is too strong and Kisnorbo has too many tools at his disposal to, like, to, to fail with this group. I think, I, think it's, I think it's great. Like, you know, the, the recruitment is unbelievable. Barisha looks fantastic. What a, what a signing. Wow, uh, what a signing. Literally, <laughs> unironically. Hey, we've got to, we've got to give a shout-out to Daniel. Um, who's given us this two minutes after coming back. <laughs> Mano looks like a lost member of Eiffel 65. Bano, your response. I'm blue. <laughs> <laughs> what a song. Um, all right, let's uh, move across. Alan Riley, did I miss the Adelaide section? Uh, yes, you did. Part but one. Like, but like, yeah, part one. But like Adelaide football, is quite boring, so don't worry about it. Um <laughs> Melbourne victory. Uh, hey, I um, was that, I went that, down that to Melbourne. Of a gag stole. You knocked Josh's camera off, mate. Like oh, he mate, just blew his socks off. Um, Melbourne victory. Uh, I went down to Melbourne uh, and did an interview with uh, Nani. Uh, well, I didn't do the interview, but I produced the interview with Mark Bosnich, um, who did it with him, and it's going to be on Stand Sport uh, from next Monday. But Nani seems like a great dude. Like. You know, he's the big. Alternatively, marketing. you could come out and watch the ESPN interview that I did with Nani. That's already out. Yeah, bit like bit like Adelaide United. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All good. You'll see it. It's all good. Um, oh, whack. Look, marquee, marquee uh, man, the marquee name of the season. Um, but look, Josh, you've been watching him in preseason. Um, I think he's going to be very successful. I, I, there's a lot to like about him. Look, he's not like one of these Marquises who's coming in unfit. He looks very fit. Um, seems like a really nice guy from all accounts, you know, within the club. Seems like he's doing really well there. So I think it's going to be successful. Uh, Josh, you've probably seen the most of him. Uh, he looks good. He looks class. Like, I, it's hard to tell against MPL 2 opposition a lot of the time and stuff like that. But he's had a full preseason. He's come here to get fit. He looks great. Uh, just before I get your thoughts on Melbourne Victory, guys, we've got a really important comment coming in. Um, if you're going to read out the one that I think you are, I swear to God. Oh, there it is. No, do not. Green, lady. It's, 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 that, it's that big of a it's comment. Just, it's a Michael spam bot comment. Joey and well, I. No, look, last week we did say, we're talking about relationships and, you know, people wanted, remember, who was the guy who was like, he was going to be too drunk to go to the round one camp? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, whiskey, the whiskey festival. Look, this, this is a football yeah, this is a football podcast. This is a food podcast. All right, we talk about sauce. This is the relationship podcast. You're Patricia. gonna you're gonna attract the porn spam bots again. Take it <laughs> off the morning. screen. Good morning. First of all, we say thanks. No, for just we say this is the guy that say? says he wants to go under an a hour. Very affectionate yeah. greeting. Oh. A very affectionate greeting. That's what you got to start with, Patricia. That's why you're having relationship. This issues. is the, the important one here. Angelo is on the sauce. <laughs> Right, now. Angelo. Where, where's Angelo? Uh, is Corey, it a homemade is... sauce or is it still bought? That's what we need. To <laughs> Can know. I'll we have talk you know about on the sauce right <laughs> Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. About about victory. About victory. I reckon they're gonna have a really good season. Um, 
Yeah. All right. Uh, I think Nani's going to be a great signing. I know at the start, a few months ago, I had my concerns about, you know, what sort of shape he was coming in here based off last season, but it looks like he's really bought in. If anything, he's really taken to it. I was reading, um, shout out to, to Harrow, our good friend, Anna Harrington, uh, her story on AAP Sport about how they've got a fine system and Nani always has to make sure he's there on time to get to the team lunches. Otherwise, he really doesn't want to get a fine. You know, he's really buying into like, you know, the whole team culture thing, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, he's like, he's just taking the whole experience seriously. He's training his socks off apparently, which is great. Um, from what I've seen this preseason, I mean, they played Pasco Val who were out of season. That was the one game that, that Lockie Finnegan and I did. Um, they look to press a little bit more this year, which I think was a little bit interesting. Um, I don't know whether they'll do that against non-NPL2 opposition. Uh, so that will be a curious watch against, say, Sydney this week. Um, but, you know, with the signing of Nani, upgrading goals with Paul Izzo. Cadete actually looks like a really handy signing at left back as well. I think he's, he's actually looking pretty good, especially going forward. Um, and as well, you know, I think that in you look at some of the other signings like Tommy Juric, he could, if he stays fit, he could be a handy guy to another striking option to have. But, you know, you expect the development of Ben Falami to come along and some of the other MPL guys to come in who, like William Wilson, et cetera, who gets some minutes. Um, but also Chris Economides, who I think this year, um, just quietly, I reckon he's going to have a great season. Uh, his preseason form has been great. He had a tough first season at Victory, and we forget that he still has a lot of quality. And I think that he's someone to really keep an eye on, um, and someone that could really make that position. He's because he's got a lot of he's got a lot of competition, like with Nani and Falami and Brimmer. Uh, if he's going to play more centrally, or you know, he's still got the likes of Leighton Brooks and Nishin Valupale, um, you know, just to name a few. So it's quite a stacked attack that Victory's got. And I think that they're going to be right up there again. But my only concern is just that centre-back depth. Just that centre-back depth for me mm. after losing Brendan Hamill. Um, you know, George Timothy has played a lot in the A-League, but he looked a little bit shaky in some of those games. Um, you know, with Spiranovic not playing week in, week out alongside Roderick Miranda, will they be able to, you know, get, you know, a lot of continuity this year? And what is that dip going to be if Timothy comes in? Because, I mean... You know, it is a sharp dip. No disrespect to Timotheo because Spiranovic still has a lot of quality for his age. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see how it works out, but also how they cover Jason Guerrier's absence too because he's going to be out for quite a while. You know, who slots in at right back? Um, so we'll see how it goes for victory, but I still think they've got enough quality this year to be right up there. Sorry. Is, is, is there any question with victory? Who slots in at X position for victory? Lee Broxham. Lee Broxham. Next question. Which is going to be my question. <laughs> yes. Um, um, is is Are they going to put Lee Broxham up front? Like, who starts as the nine? Is it D'Agostino? Because in my opinion, and this might be an unpopular one, I think he did his best work coming off the bench as an impact game-changing, you know, wrecking ball. And the work that Marjota did in terms of facilitating play, mm-hmm. um, he didn't set the world alight in terms of goal scoring, but in terms of facilitating play, I think he was a little bit underrated. Um, mm. Tommy Urich, I just haven't seen him perform in the last couple of years. So I, 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 I don't think he's a productive A-League player until proven otherwise would be my, my position on him. Are they going to play Chris Economides as the nine, as they have done occasionally in preseason? That's a completely different proposition for victory and mm. they can't, you know, we can't be swinging high crosses into the area or so forth when, when you've got Chris Economides up front. So, you know, uh, it's it's interesting. I think there's a bit of a conundrum there. It'll probably be, be D'Agostino, but I don't think he's 
as effective starting as he is coming off the bench unless he makes another leap, another progression in his game this season. I mean, do we see Popovich just not play with a striker? Do we just have him floating around the likes of Economides? Popovich with the false nine, no chance. I don't know. I'm not going to... Well, we know it's Juric... We know, we know it's not going to be Juric in week one because the squads have come out and he's listed as out with a knee injury. So, Devano, you talked about if he can stay fit. Well, not a promising start on that front. But victory, it, they're a lot like Melbourne City in terms of their expectations. Looking at the squad that they have assembled, the investments that they have made, the talent in the dugout as well, a season that passes by without silverware for Melbourne victory cannot be considered a wholly successful season. Last campaign where they were coming off the back of a wooden spoon and looking to put in place a, a foundation of Popovich, you can you know accept that maybe they just came oh so close but oh so far to silverware. Coming into this season as the presumptive um, one of, if not the presumptive favourites for the Premiership and Championship, they are a club that once again you hold them to a higher standard both because of their resources and because of the standards that they themselves say they have. Melbourne Victory's identity is such that they win trophies. Ergo, they need to win trophies. What's going to be interesting to me is to see what we've seen with Tony Popovich, super successful at the Wanderers. Perth Glory came in in his first season and he won the Premiership. Second season, they only just got into the finals and then uh, they were eliminated week one and then he left for Greece. Do we see a second season swoon perhaps following on from that trend? I don't think we do, but it's, it, it is a historical fact and it is something we need to keep in mind that there is a level of precedent there. Another thing with Tony Povich I think we need to keep an eye on is that following the World Cup, if Graham Arnold is not retained and he's not offered a new contract mm. by the Socceroos, are Melbourne Victory going to find themselves losing a coach to the Socceroos again. Happened with Ange Postacoglu. Could it happen with Tony Popovich? Personally, I think if they're going to, if Football Australia goes after an Australian coach, it's likely to be Kevin Musket. It'll be in the off-season for the J-League. He's likely coming off a J-League title. He would seem the most likely option, both in terms of Australian candidate with a healthy resume, and you're not going to piss off the largest club in the A-League men by doing it. But there was a time last season when everybody thought that Graham Arnold was going to get the sack after the Japan game, that people at Melbourne Victory were sort of resigned to losing Popovich to the Socceroos. Obviously, it didn't happen, but now is that something that they're going to have to keep an eye on as the season progresses? I reckon if uh, Muskie wins the J-League title, I reckon he heads to Europe um, Alan Riley in the comments says, disagree with Urich. Looked really off the market. Both Adelaide and MacArthur would have done it better keeping Marjota. Can, uh, can I just add something, Re Marjota, Josh, that you mentioned? Yep. Marjota, for me, was played out of position all season last year. He's a 10. Mm-hmm. For me, he had all the hallmarks of a 10. He was not a number nine. He was so good with, you know, the way he was playing in around other players and almost he'd almost drop too deep he to get the ball. He wasn't a Melbourne victory number nine. Yeah, sure. But I think, yeah, I think he could have been quite handy if they played two up top and say played alongside D'Agostino in that sense. But I think leading the line by himself in the way they tried to play him, he wasn't as effective as he could have been. And now by my uh, doing a quick read of research, Francesco Margiotta is playing in set a chair 
for Latinos. So, you know what? Good good luck to him. I hope he does well. Thanks and success to Majota. Um, Oz asks, will Jake Brimmer, who was the Johnny Warren medalist last season, push for Socceroos' position this season? I don't think before the World Cup, maybe after the World Cup, and then there's like a regeneration. Someone say Asian a Cup is his best bet. Yeah, but I, Just, does anyone think he's going to push for Socceroos' World Cup? I don't think so. I don't if, think... If Popovich suddenly becomes the coach, then we might be straight yeah. into the starting lineup. Yeah, I just I don't think there's going to be enough scope for him to be sort of spectacular enough in the first yeah. six weeks of the season. Like, obviously, he can hit banging set pieces and free kicks, but and Rustic already does that for the yeah. Socceroos. So, is there going to be enough scope for him to be spectacular as a as a field general running show for victory? Never say never, but. Such is the depth of that Socceroos midfield. It's going to be difficult for him to do enough to suddenly overcome the barriers of A, that depth, and B, the fact that Arnie has never called him up throughout this entire window, even for that Japan and Saudi Arabia series when the Socceroos were decimated. So, hmm. you know what? I've got to say, you know, just before we move on, that, you know, two seasons ago, victory really were awful and, and Tony Popovich has come in and you know turned that yeah. place around and we haven't seen a turnaround like that. And um, Didalitza and Caroline Carnegie and I swear to God. Since Patricia, uh when Dr. Finema helped her get her husband back Stop up and advertising me, I was the spandots. Devastated and sad. Luckily I was direct, directed to the very kind and powerful man Dr. Finema uh who helped bring bring me back my we husband. We do not endorse spam accounts and me. spam bots. Joey you're, you're fighting love, all right? The husband is returned. He loves him. I hate love. Ever. Love and is look, terrible. If you think Patricia, if you think Patricia just made that up, well, Katarina's come in and said uh, she got extremely lucky and won the jackpot and uses the good luck spell from Dr. Fenema. So, uh, look, I, I hate to, I hate to, you cannot, cold you cannot have over heartbreak all this, but, without um, but, love. It's, but Dr. Uh, but Dr. Fenema has actually been uh, caught up in like a peptides scandal. <laughs> Um, so I don't think we should endorse his teachings on this podcast because there's a you know there's a, an investigation, you're, a lot you're of scared speculation Dick going involved on now. All right, Dabana, we don't know what's happening to him, but guys, let's move on to our favourite team from last season, uh, Newcastle Jets. Yeah, no, hold on. Yes, Alan Riley. Yes, you are quoting me there exactly. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> Don't put, don't put on any T-shirt I want to wear. Uh, Newcastle Jets. Uh, <laughs> the box office Jets, baby. Do we think, we, you know, there was so much potential last season. They played such good football. The defense was horrific. You know, the keeper was an issue. Do we think that this season they will still be great in attack, but sort out their defensive issues and actually go towards the finals? Debana, you had your hand up first. and I'm, I'm going to get in before the internet yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah, I think there's still going to be a lot of fun this year. I mean, Daniel Pena is a big loss, but, you know, bringing in Reno Piscopo, I think is a great signing. Uh, someone who I think could have a really, really good season for them. Interestingly enough, looking at their acquisitions, a lot of their acquisitions have been brought in on more than like on two-year deals. So it's looking like that there's a bit more, you know, stability there, you know, because a lot of clubs, they opt to go the one-year deal, you know, and look to they have like their whole squad out of contract. It seems like the Jets are looking for a bit more stability with the guys they're picking up, not looking to get guys in on sort of short-term contracts. Um, 
I don't know too much about Becca Dartsmelia, so the other Georgian and the other Becca. So we're going to have double Becca playing uh, for the Jets this season. I think that's quite exciting just from the fact I have double Becca. Uh, and I, if I hear anything, good like, things about Becca too. I hear good things. Yeah. From, well, you know, from, uh, it, was, it was a hell of a sitcom in the 90s. I love watching Becca. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, the Jets well going to go placed. Becca to Becca. But, a well-placed source <laughs> within the club says good things about Becca. Yeah, look, I think in terms of them going forward, they're going to have a lot of quality still with Mikkeltadze and Piscopo, et cetera. But just defensively for me, I still think there are some concerns, you know, with that Yerman Elsie combination. Um, you know, hopefully we see Big Mike make that position his own between the sticks. Um, so for me, in terms of prediction, I think they're going to be thereabouts again. They're going to be box office, um, but... Are they going to win enough games? And are they going to be as consistent as some of the others? Are their defensive frailties going to come to the fore? I have a feeling. So, uh, for me, they they just missed finals. But I would not be surprised if they, you know, cause a bit of a stir again this season. Joey? Obviously, every bit of analysis, even if it's already been said, has to be repeated. The defense is the biggest question surrounding um, this uh, this side. Um yeah. It, Good point. It, well, mate. It, it might end up just being a, a question of can they score enough goals? You know, if they're going to concede three, they'll score four. Um, so that's going to be a question. Another massive one is the loss of Daniel Pena replacement, Reno Piscopo. Pena, I mean, box office Jets, one of the reasons the Jets were so box office was because of Pena. Tons of assists, tons of flair just shot from anywhere, um, did not give a shit, would shoot from anywhere. Very entertaining. He's gone. Renault Piscopo is now there. Piscopo, obviously, very creative player, going to be super fun to watch him play in Pappas' system. I think, Josh, you spoke to him at the uh, A-League season launch, and the reason that he signed with the Jets is because he wanted to play in a system like Pappas's, where he was just going to be allowed to cook. How well can he replace the statistical sort of like Moneyball? Daniel Pena has gone and he scored what six goals and got 12 assists last season how do the Jets replace 18 like six goals and 11 assists Piscopo is obviously going to come in and replace some of them but if he can't do it all where do the rest of them come from and so on so that's going to be really interesting to watch I personally think World Cup probably a boat too far for Piscopo Asian Cup, very interested to see if mm. he can make a push for that. As Debano said, Big Mike Weir, uh, former uh, NPL Queensland and NPL Victoria goalkeeper, keen to see him make a run at the number one. Angus Thurgate um, was mm. getting Socceroos buzz last season before he caught COVID, and that sort of knocked him about and knocked him off the pace. Interesting how he goes. And then some of these other midfield options that brought in Daniel Steins, Brandon O'Neill. How do they mould? Because when you think about the box office jets and what they like to do, Brandon O'Neill, a lot more of the ball circulation, conservative, covering sort of six than box office six. So how they play is going to be interesting as well. I think Brandon O'Neill can adapt given the right coaching. I think he's a coachable player. I think think what we associate with Brandon O'Neill is from an era at Sydney FC where he his role was pretty well defined. Um, so I, I think he I think he can adapt. I wasn't super impressed with him at Perth last season, but the Glory didn't have a lot of structure. So 
I think with this group of players, a second season under Pappas to get you know their heads around what he actually wants them to do, I think is it could be just major improvements you could see off the back of that, just by having more time with the system, with the tactics, with the, with an approach that they haven't been familiar with and other coaches haven't encouraged in their careers. Um, in terms of Pena, obviously I loved watching him, but is there a tiny tiny bit of Ewing theory when it comes to Pena that when you have a guy who loses the ball all the time and everything becomes about him, you know, even though he's outrageously good to watch, could the team actually improve off the back mm. of the load being distributed a little bit more evenly? And uh, Piscopo coming in, I'm I'm really excited about. So I think the Jets are going to be good. I actually think they're going to make the finals. I think they're going to do it. I have faith. Yes. Um, yeah, Pena, a bit of hero ball uh, last season. Alan Riley in the comments says, Jets will be fun to watch. I can't see Yerman Elsie partnership going down well. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't uh, improved on that. Uh, Alan Riley actually says they'll finish 11th, which is a huge shame given how good Pappas is a coach and how fun they are to watch. I reckon, mate, I'm going to say it, fourth. Jets are going to be fourth. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I, I hope I you're right. Fifth or sixth. So uh, you're always one-upping me in, in terms of these big predictions, Stoll. Uh, but <laughs> so, uh, are we sure? Are we sure that Jordan Elsie is going to start? Uh, you know, yeah, I, Mark I, Natter. Potentially, might. A, potentially Mark Natter could be yeah. in line for it. And um, is uh, remind me, does, is Matt Yerman left-footed? I can't remember. Uh, um, I don't believe so. Mm, I, I don't think he is. Um, I'm sure, uh, but. If uh, if Mark Natter's got a good left foot, and coaches who like to uh, like to keep the ball um, generally yeah. like a left footed centre back, so anyway. um, I want to give a shout out uh, to Oz uh, for this joke. Double Becker bus jokes. Uh, we're going to steal that uh, throughout the season. Philip Rollo makes the good point. Um, we should get him on for someone sent him the link for Wellington Phoenix chat. Uh, Newcastle Jets would have a strong four by one hundred meter relay. Yes, Interio. Um, who's Bahaja. the other guy's Bahaja. Bahaja. Um, Brandon o- Edmund says Brandon. No, O'Neill. not Brandon O'Neill. <laughs> uh, Brandon O'Neill might help uh, the Jets defense. I, I think Dane Ingham's pretty quick. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. fast. Um, Alan Riley, I like Steins. I think O'Neill is there to provide defensive cover, maybe drop deep as a sweep in the attacking phase. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm just, I don't know about you guys, but is there any concern for you just, you know, around like, we know backroom staff is just so important. And like, just, just some of the let's, let's that, not, let's move on from this, Nick Stoll. Let's, let's not, let's move on. I'm, let's move on. You, you think there let's could be on. disruptive influences? Let's move on. Let's move. I'm vetoing this entire discussion. <laughs> let's move on. Perth glory, baby glory. Um, they don't uh, have a home ground. Uh, they are, you know, have been trying to be sold. Um, ben Smith, this is your time to shine and join. He's probably sent him a link to the old. Send him the link. I sent him a new link. Don't worry, I sent him a new All right, link. Um, ben, oh, he ben says, says, give me ten to fifteen minutes. We need alphabetical it's, order, it's, Ben. We don't. We, All right. we don't. We don't have time, back. Ben. Ben, we do. Ben, we do. I'll run right. this thing. All right, we'll come, come back, back to Perth Glory. All right, look, Perth Glory, we've got to give them a bit of a leeway. They don't even have a proper home ground this season. So he's got a proper home ground this season. Sydney FC. Um, opening game is against Melbourne Victory on Saturday night, and I have a huge worry that this game either will be rained out entirely or dramatically affected in terms of crowd, atmosphere, and even gameplay by the rain. It is, and I know, I know we're a food podcast i know we're a relationship podcast now we're a weather podcast it is piercing down here in sydney it is raining like i've never seen it before and like it's actually like it 
like I would not the stadium is five minutes from me. I would uh, not go to the stadium if it was raining this hard. Oh, so, stole. It, it, well, come on. I thought Sydney was better than Melbourne. I thought your weather was better than Melbourne, mate. Outside <laughs> at the moment, it's 21 degrees. It's sunny. We got a sunset. It's beautiful, mate. And even you, even a center back if you'd been all right. If you if you'd been in the torrential downpour in Shepparton yesterday, you wouldn't be saying that, uh, Nick. Uh, but <laughs> stole stole. I know that Sydney siders are a fickle bunch, and yeah. I know the weather affects your decision making a lot more yeah. than uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. here in Victoria, where we get our Catmandu jackets and we stick the hoods up. Yeah, um, yeah. But I have heard, I was hearing yesterday that tickets for this game are selling really, really well. So as long as the game doesn't like the pitch doesn't get rained out or whatever. Oh, I think it should be okay. Um, I hope people actually turn up if they bought a ticket. I hope hope Sydney's not that fickle. Well, I I imagine the travelling victory fans at the very least will rock up if they've gone to the effort of travelling and buying a ticket. The thing is, how how amazing would that be? If they might realise they're in a superior city and just be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Have the, have the time of their lives. I don't think they're going to go back. That's the problem. But but surely, surely there's there's, enough. I go up to Sydney more than I care to. There is nothing to do in Sydney. Surely there's enough cover at Allianz Stadium, yeah. you know, that you sure we can sit under cover. So supposedly the new stadium, and I've, I have been there, but I haven't been there when it's raining. Supposedly the whole thing is under cover. So that's amazing. Yeah, so this no excuses. That's great test. It, man, it is an excuse, all right? You got to get there. You got to walk over there. It's raining. It's cold. Oh, boo-hoo, mate. Boo-hoo. Like, come on, Unbelievable. You, look, no ticket whatsoever. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there round one. You're going to be I'm there? Just... What, your corporate box? What, no, Vince Rigari's corporate box. Vince got the cash. Hey, is, 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 as Mark Bosnich told you, he'll get you in. You can just turn up again. Or... <laughs> that would that would be a lot of fun. But um, um, I'm only going for the first half because I got a dinner afterwards. But look, it's not about me. It's about Sydney FC. And... <laughs> oh, this guy here, mate, with his tomatoes and his dinners oh, and his corporate box. He's, he's just go for a half. Just, he's just, just he's Joe Pesci, boys. This guy. So many of this life's experiences. This fucking just guy. This People's this hope. guy would go. This guy literally stole. I'm surprised you haven't told me that you're a demons fan as well, and you sit in the MCC when you come down here, and you bring out your cheese boards and everything oh, as well. I wish you, I wish I knew just... Melbourne Demons' song. Um, they never won when I was a kid. <laughs> it's so a grand old learn. flag that you know the it's stuff. A grand old flag, along the best. I don't know. Anyway, look, Sydney yeah. FC. All right, they sucked last season. Uh, they had a documentary made about them, so you can watch that. And I can't actually wait to watch episode two. I hope it's already out. Um, it is. That, a lot of changes, a lot of changes in terms of personnel, at least to change in formation. Joey, you spoke to Steve Corica. Did that conversation give you any more confidence that this team is going back to kind of, you know, where they belong, which is a top four team? Steve Corica is certainly confident that that is where they're headed, or if he's not, he's uh, certainly putting on a front um, of that way. It was Interesting. I sort of, you know, I wanted to ask him about, you know, the lessons that he learned about himself as a person and himself as a coach through the lean years. And he did talk about that in a minute, but he was very quick to pivot back to all the success that he's had in the years prior to that. So um, maybe a bit of the Graham Arnold school of coaching in terms of, you know, like focus on the positives and all of that sort of stuff and um, expecting to win. But this season really is, I think, make or break Steve Corica. I know he signed a contract extension that lasts beyond this campaign um, a few months ago, but I don't think he survives another year in which Sydney FC missed the finals. 
I think he, and to be honest, if they even scrape into finals and then get hammered in the elimination final, um, I'm not certain he lasts beyond that as well. So I think it's a huge season for them. And it's also a huge season in terms of seeing just how adaptable and flexible he is. Obviously, the talk has been Sydney's transition from a 4-2-2-2 to a 4-3-3 system, more wingers, um, more trying to dribble the ball and be a bit more incisive in that regards. How long does this commitment to that new look last? Is it a case of does Sydney lose the first three or four games and we get a reversion back to the previous system? Um, do, is Corica able to institute the principles of play within that system to this new squad, who he says have been recruited with this look in mind in a sufficient manager to get them firing? So that, I think, it's a real litmus test for, I think, for Steve Corica, the big test of, you know, Kevin Muscat had to face down these accusations as well. Now it's his turn. Did he succeed because of his own abilities, or is he, did he succeed because the table was laid for him? We will find that out this season. He is very certain that it is the latter. I guess we'll find out. The other point is, play Max Burgess. Well, Edmund play Max Burgess. Edmund R. Young says, will this year be the Max Burgess year? God, I hope so. I uh, hope so. <laughs> Josh, any, any thoughts on Sydney FC this season? I was about to say, this is Max Burgess's team now. This is his team, you know. The 4-3-3 is designed to have him play in midfield, mm. not in the forward line. So, yeah. I I, I was in... Look, honestly, it was a bad night for them losing to Oakley, but some of Burgess's touches in midfield and Jack, at Jack Edwards' reserve, I went, ooh, he's, he's, got, he's got something. He's got something going on. So, you know, they've taken him off the part-time job share with Milos Ninkovic and they've put him on a full-time contract and this is his time to shine. So, um, I right, look, I, I think Sydney FC will be in the mix for finals. I think they'll probably scrape in. Whether that's enough for Corica, we'll see. Uh, but I, I, do, I do think Burgess being given more scope is going to be a major, major factor here. And I also think Joe Lolly and Robert Mack, on paper, they got pretty great CVs. So uh, I think the recruitment's been reasonably good as well without having that one kind of star marquee name that we were all expecting Sydney FC to bring home. Uh, Dubano, we saw last season the Burgess-Ninkovic um, job share. Alan Riley has proposed the Mac Lolly job share. Um, what do you think of the new signings? Are you confident that they're going to kind of really improve Sydney FC or are you kind of a bit wait and see? Um... Yeah, wait and see, really. I mean, I'm uh, similar to Josh. I, I think Mac and Lolly, at least on paper, look like pretty good signings. I think like they fill that that need in a four three three, and I think they can both play on either wing. And I think they will to start the season with Lafondra through the middle. I think that's probably where they will go. And Segasic would be sort of that first uh, cab off the rank on the bench. Um, I, I think that's a very dangerous front three, especially if you've got Burgess sitting in behind. But it's just a question of who else makes up that midfield because it probably will be Caceres with a mix of Bratton or Yazbek, depending on who's fit. Um, I personally would love to see Yazbek given the keys and him being the the new six and really see how he goes as Bratton sort of slowly works his way back to fitness. Um, but I think that's going to be a curious watch. My 
my sort of qualm is what are they going to look like defensively through the middle? Because I think Diego Caballo could be a good signing for them at left back. But what's the partnership in centre back? Because Alex Wilkinson's another year older. Um, James Donerkey didn't have a great season last year. And does Jack Robwell slot in as a centre-back this year? Or is he going to play as a six? I mean, it looks like he's going to play as a centre-back this year and he's been recruited for that. So does that mean Sydney is going to be looking to get on the ball more and look to be a high-possession team with a guy like Robwell who can help retain it and potentially ping balls from deep, which I think is an interesting one because I think Robwell actually looked best at Western Sydney playing higher up the pitch and, you know, with his late runs and everything, I think it sort of limits what he can do. But, I mean, he's a versatile player. You do have that option. I still think Sydney play finals. I think they bounce back this year. Um, not to the full extent of maybe winning it, but I think they'll be, just in terms of how equal the competition is, I think they'll win a lot more games this season and they'll be right up there in that sort of, again, four to six range and maybe host a final. Um, but the microscope's on them. Steve Corrick is under a lot of pressure um, this year. I mean, Sydney could have easily... Uh, pulled the trigger at the end of last season, but they've backed him in. They've backed in a new system. They've backed in these signings. Um, and I'm curious to see what they do in January because, I mean, you do get the sense that they probably, if, say, things aren't really working out, that they might look at someone to come in in January, you know, a big-name player to try and bolster one part of the field, players coming out of the World Cup. I know their foreign spots are full, but don't be surprised they look at maybe an Australian or something like that because I just get a feeling Sydney FC aren't done with their transfers. Mm. It's a very, very small squad. Like it compared to some of the other teams, it's a tiny squad. Unless there's plans to really parachute a lot of the MPL players beyond the scholarship players they've already got, like Gerd and uh, Yazbek and Kachowski and Corey Holman. I don't know, like, and also as well, um, Gerdwood Reich. I don't know if they're going to look to get more guys in from that highly successful MPL team or maybe just maybe they might be looking and be busy in the January transfer window because they lost a lot of players last season, but they've only signed six guys. Like above the four foreigners, it's Monaric coming back from loan. That's actually not even technically a signing. And Alex Parsons. So technically it's five new players for about, you know, 10 or so, maybe 12 players leaving. Um, CNFC, I think, I think it's going to be interesting. I think they might even try. It depends on, I guess, the foreigner rule and stuff, but... I wouldn't still be surprised if they try and push for a marquee um, in January or something when it when it potentially becomes more available. With the whole formation change, to me, it's like oh, you've got a midfield three, and I believe Braddon is going to be the six uh, mm. in that. W- what I think is going to be interesting is does Bimby pair him with another kind of you're more like your retrays or your Yazbeks, more defensively minded, you know, a lot of kind of effort getting up and up and down the pitch. And then you just have one of Burgess or Caceres kind of in that attacking midfielder number eight role. Or does he play two number eights? I, I think that's going to be really interesting. So, look, CDFC, I'm super hopeful that they have a really good season in the new stadium. Uh, I think that's going to be really cool. But I actually think that it might not go great at the start because there's a lot of changes. The, the, this formation is going to be a big change. And I think that if it doesn't go great, you know, if Sydney FC got a bad run at the start of the season and then we go to a World Cup, I wouldn't be surprised if Sydney FC make the call to get rid of Bimby at that point, especially if it, if attendance is low. Um, I think that could be a big factor as well if people give up on this team early. Um, 
so you know that that's more just kind of my sensation than information uh Geraldo, friend of the pod says if sydney fc struggle i'm looking forward to the battle between them and fa reed tillies over who who is in most denial about their coach just just quickly stall i mean looking at their six games before the world cup they've got three I mean, quote-unquote, big games on their home deck plus an away derby, like if you're counting MacArthur. I mean, they've got victory at home, Adelaide at home, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers in that last game before the World Cup, and they've got a game away at MacArthur. You'd hope in all three of those home games they're getting healthy turnouts, not just the sugar hit of a... To, sorry for the, you know, bringing the, the sugar hit full circle, but the sugar hit of the opening game at a new stadium in the Big Blue, you'd hope that momentum carries over and you do see solid turnouts for the games against Adelaide and against the Wanderers. I mean, against the Wanderers, you just expect the solid turnout because it's a bloody derby for God's sake. But mm. I guess we'll just wait and see. So curious watch nonetheless. Does anyone think Sydney FC won't make the finals? I think it might be close. I think it might be close. But right. I, I've got them in sixth. All right. Sixth. Joey, you're a bit iffy. I've got them in a dog like I've got like three or four teams like in a dog fight for sixth. They're sixth. one of them. I've got twelve uh, teams in a dog fight for sixth. This is, this is, this is, this is the nature of predicting the A League. Um yeah, look, it's it's gonna be a, a, a real big one. You know, the team uh, that I wanna talk about next uh, and we have a special guest uh, joining us which i'm really really excited about uh wellington phoenix philip Rowan. welcome to the show a late a late call up but what a call up this is this is an unbelievable sign yeah and it's like 9 p.m here as well so uh Ooh. literally a late call up imagine if we were doing this at our regular scheduled time it would have been like midnight kind of soon so no, yeah Turns out football's um, literally coming home to Wellington. It's crazy to think that this is going to be the first season opener in, what, three seasons that I'll actually be at the stadium for. Tell tell us about the feeling in Wellington for having the team kind of be home and be back to normal because, like you say, it's been been a long time. What's the feeling like in Wellington? Yeah, to be honest, it's kind of crept up a wee bit because we've got the the Women's Rugby World Cup is on starting this weekend as well. Um, And all the Phoenix... And Sport FC um, in Australia. Check it out. (laughs) Yeah, all the um, like the Phoenix have been playing their preseason games against other A League teams over in Australia. Like usually they would have games that the community could could go watch, and they would open to the public. With you know this year they've kind of if they've played any sort of games against national league teams here in New Zealand, they've been like not advertised or anything like that. So it's kind of crept up a wee bit. Um, It's kind of yeah, strange to think that they actually play at home this Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of crowd they get. And talk to us about kind of the signings that they've made. It doesn't look like there's been too much uh, activity over there. Yeah, well, it's funny because I feel like a lot of the season previews talk about how, you know, they've lost their top goal scorers from last season and like Josh Saturio and Gail Sandoval. But it probably said a lot that Saturio was their top, their top goal scorer. Yeah. And I didn't think Sandoval was that great. Like um, he scored a few of his goals from from like penalties and, I think, if, if anything, he probably took a little bit of heat off Reno Piscopo. Um, but there weren't too many... Like he definitely wasn't as good as Uli Davila was when he was at the Phoenix. Um, so the signings I've made, I think, across the board are all actually like improvements. Like um, Bojidar Krav looks to be really good. I think, um, you know, like Ufuk Tele has been mentioned in a lot of season previews and stuff that Tele's recruitment of his foreigners is 
like usually pretty spot on. And I think yeah, Cryov in particular looks to be someone who could be like a real star. And um, I know some of the coaches here that you know of national league teams that have played the Phoenix said that um, the Phoenix imports that they've got the season are the best they've ever had. Well, I mean, Phil, I talked about a dogfight before teams, you know, several teams. I actually have the Phoenix coming closer to winning the premiership than I do missing finals. Am I insane? No, I don't think you are. And I think the people who have the Phoenix, like, I get it. It's quite easy in Australia probably to think, like, oh, it's the Phoenix of the New Zealand team. Like, let's tip them at the bottom. But they made the playoffs last year. I know, that's so like, true. That's what like, they're all the time. We're just like, oh, Phoenix, whatever. I know, and I feel like in New Zealand we have the same thing with like the Mariners. Like it's like the Mariners and the Jets, but them at the bottom too. But um, <laughs> yeah, like they made the playoffs last season, and they were based in Australia. Um, you know, the team's actually going to be at home, and I think the signings are better. Like uh, this is the first time in three years I've used all their import spots as well. So even just by having a fifth import is basically just like improves the, the squad more than. Than they had and, and last season, you know, Sandoval and, and Scott Wooden came in um in January. So um yeah, the only problem I think they're gonna have is defensively, like they had the worst defensive record in the league last season, and the only defensive signing they've made is Lucas Moraga, so I think is gonna back up Sam Sutton. Well, there's some weird kind of like the the backup left backs have swapped teams from the <laughs> the Jets and the Phoenix. Um like Josh Laws is like okay. Uh, you know, he was injured quite a bit last season, so I think get him fit like that might make a little bit of a difference. But um, I think they're going to rely on Ollie Sale big time. Um, that would be yeah, my my only concern. I think with the Phoenix, but I don't think you're insane, Joey. I, I think like I, I was trying to. I'm actually doing a um, like a story for the weekend on kind of five reasons why they might win the league and five reasons why they won't. And this is probably the most optimistic I've ever been about a Phoenix season. I think it's probably going to be Ilf Tello's last season as well. Um, like he's coming off contracts. I can't really see him having any sort of incentive to stay. Like he'll get a better job. Um, so this is kind of the season to to win the league, I think. If they don't do it this season, they may never do it. Phil, tell us about some of the other signings. I mean, you mentioned Krajev, and we know what we're going to get with players like Ugarkovic and Barbarusis, even to a lesser extent, Lucas Moragas, but um, Jan Sase and Oscar Zavada as well coming in. Um, have you seen much of them this preseason? Have you heard much about, like, you know, what we can expect from them? No, nah, so Zavada played um, or had his first start against Sydney FC in a preseason game last weekend, and the Phoenix lost 3 0, but conceded mm. three late goals. Um, so he may have not even been on the field at that time. He's kind of an interesting one because, you know, he's so different to Gary Hooper. Like Gary Hooper was kind of like an aging star who had like this amazing goal scoring record. Zavada hasn't really scored too many goals where he's been, but he's way younger. Um, and he's just like a big presence. And the Phoenix have really stacked their like their attack. You know, I would say Costa Barbarusis and Ben Wayne probably should be their starting strikers. Like David Ball's out with an injury at the moment. Zavadis kind of seems like it's like a, just they want a target man to bring off the bench or if they want to play sort of a different style of, of football. Um, yeah, the Brazilian sounds sounds really good. Um, he just looks to be like a, like a great dribbler, someone who's going to be real lively. Um, and again, like another good replacement for Reno Piscopo. I think if you factor in Crive and him, it's like two players to, to replace him. Um so, yeah, I'm actually yeah, really optimistic about them. Just I think now Tello's just got so much. You can just trust that his foreign signings are, are going to hit. And, um, 
yeah, if they can just sort out their defence, I think, um, yeah, it could be like a, even like a top four kind of finish and get a home semi final. Um, you know, that would that make a huge difference to to the season, eh? I think. Um, Phil, just before we let you go, uh, you know, you're quite confident with the Wellington Phoenix. Who just give us your kind of predictions for the A League season? Who do you think is kind of going to be champion, and who do you think maybe is going to be last? Okay, I'll go. Um, yeah, I think Victory. I think are going to win. Um, Lewis Nani's probably like a upgrade on uh, Marco Rojas. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I think they're how, how's win. Rojas going in uh, uh, Chile? By the way, I saw one. Oh, it's kind of going okay. Like, um, okay. it kind of hasn't really broken into the the starting team too much. Oh. Um, yeah, being a late season arrival, I think was his, his sort of issue. Um, yeah, I think Melbourne Victory win. I think Phoenix definitely make the top six. Um, but I think you can almost make a case for everyone making the top six. So I don't even want to make like a prediction of how the ladder is gonna gonna work out. But um, yeah, there we go. All right. Phil, well, I really so wish much. we'd heard from you before I had made my my draft ladder prediction because now like it's thrown everything into chaos. I have to put the Phoenix in the six, and it's just ruined everything. So <laughs> thanks for nothing. Man, Phil. You should have known it, man. The sneak, the, the Knicks are going to be sneaky good, man. Yeah, uh, they're I'm always there. sneaky. Good. I look forward to all the Phoenix. Good. I did the classic lazy thing. I'll be like Wellington Knights, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I am really looking forward to all the Phoenix fans losing their minds when inevitably Tale is linked to the Sydney FC job and all these other <laughs> jobs throughout the season. Yeah, how would it, how yeah. funny would it be if Sydney FC replaced Steve Corica with the man who plays exactly the same formation as they just made Corica change? <laughs> it, it, like oh. it, it probably would, it probably will have. Like if Sydney have a bad start of the season and Corica is to lose his job, you know, Talley will be the number one guy linked with that job. I can, I can tell you, on that. and he'd, he'd probably take it too. Like it's you know bigger club, it's the club he played for. He was the assistant coach. Um, can definitely see it happening. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we get you on uh, the show many times uh, throughout the season. Um, and big shout out to Nick DeBano, as Oz mentions in the comments. Ask the question, then he goes off and makes a sound. <laughs> 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 oh, no, you did seem to feel in the middle of his answer and he just disappeared. So No, like, again, this is the weird part. No one else is home, but the internet keeps crashing. This is not even a microwave problem anymore, man. Do, Nick, do, if nobody do, else is do, home, do, who's that standing behind you? Bill, <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, see you guys. Have a great Thank you so much, you. Bill. Talk to you soon. Legend. Um, all right, guys, let's move on uh, to Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, look, absolutely stunk it up last, well, I don't know, for how long now? They've been stinking it up ever since they are at Spotless State. <laughs> half, um, half a decade. Yeah, it's actually embarrassing given, um, you know, what we... Like, we base what this team should be based on, like, their first two seasons. And actually, the body of evidence is that the first two, three seasons were great. First, maybe three, four seasons, and they've absolutely been sticking it up for now. Guys, the league needs it, but are we finally going to get a good Western Sydney Wanderers team this season? I I am not going to give you a concrete answer because we have NFI. Like, we have no idea, mate. Like, we have no idea (laughs) what to expect from them, mate. This is a whole new team again. Like... This yeah. is unbelievable. A lot of changes. Like this is literally like it's a, it's a whole like how we haven't even seen them playing the Australia Cup either. So how are we supposed to know what to expect from Western Sydney? Like they've assembled some good signings on paper, but 
I feel like every season we've always said Western Sydney have brought good guys in on paper, but are they going to be able to get it done on the green stuff? I don't know. Like, I mean, Lawrence Thomas is a great signing. I can definitely say between the sticks for them. He's, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. Like Marcelo, when he's not laughing at, at, at people's farts, I think he's going to be <laughs> a very good suit signing in the middle of the fence. Like, no, but genuinely, I think it could be a really good signing for them. Um, don't know too much about Amalfitano. I mean, Bazanic's back from his uh, galactic trips and galactic voyages. I, I wonder what sort of uh, new weapons he's got in his arsenal. I think he can help steady things. And then, you know, Milos Ninkovic comes in and Ngabakato, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Yangi, Borello, Kerpich. I mean, it's a mixed bag. We have no idea. Like, but they have to eventually be good, don't they? Like, eventually something's got to change. Like, how many years can they just disappoint, disappoint, disappoint? Um, yeah, there's true. rumors that there's good vibes at the moment at, at Western Sydney. Like, they've seen a lot of social media clips of, you know, like happy like moments in the gym and stuff like that. And their social uh, media so, is always on point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, their like, social they, they, media, they, they nail it. They, they've, look, they've made me drink the Kool Aid in that sense, in terms of like, it looks good good like good vibes um but look i i can't make a definitive prediction on how they're going to go this season until we watch a few games so i'm just going to say they're not going to play finals this year just based off that safe prediction but yeah. knowing how the league is they probably still could anyway josh i am done predicting a western sydney renaissance show me something show me something until then i'm putting you in the bottom three i don't care oh. I don't care who you sign. I don't care who you sign. Show me something because it's been too many seasons, too many disappointments. Every season it's the same. Oh, this coach wasn't right. So we ripped it up and then we gave it to a new coach and gave him the keys and brought in a whole new set of players. And it's a new dawn in Western City. And this time, this group of players knows the the area. They're from Parramatta. They know what it means to wear the shirt. And, you know, now we've got this new manager in charge who's going to play the sort of football that recaptures the glory days. I, I can't have any faith in this organization anymore. I can't. It's, yeah. I, I can't keep going around every year and saying, oh, they've got to be better than last year because maybe mm. they won't be. Fool me once, shame on me. Exactly. Uh, no, for, sorry, fool me once, shame on you. I've just done a George Bush. Fool me eight seasons in a row. <laughs> fool me again, get fooled again. <laughs> yeah, can't get fooled again. Joey, you're a fool. <laughs> um, uh, Angelo says uh, Nikovic to play 15 minutes per match. How how big a factor do you think Nikovic will be this season? Because like his off-field comments have been pretty full-on or his off-field kind of action. But how much do you think he's actually going to be, you know, he's one of the, maybe he's the greatest A-League player ever. How much do you actually think he's going to impact this Wanderers team? Main, it's just sort of a microcosm of everything we've been saying. Like, feel a bit like it's not a one-to-one transition, but I feel a bit like a two-to-one. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe <laughs> shit. I just you mean the sometimes know, guy, Joey. Like, Joey, you mean Nick, the sometimes guy. He doesn't have a name. He's guy. the sometimes guy. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Ninkovic, especially depending upon his role, maybe starting some games, maybe coming off the bench in other games, could be fantastic. Or he could be terrible. The Wanderers could have it all come together and really succeed. You know, Lawrence Thomas in goal, Barello there, Yangi there, Rami Najarine, really underrated player, I think, Rami Najarine. But he could just go to pieces. Marco Rodan. 
good tactical coach. I think we all rate him on this show as the X's and O's. Does the locker room blow up? You know, like he's been like uh, like they've been working super hard in preseason. Does that make them super fit, or do they suddenly have a rash of soft tissue injuries? Does a, a, a pit to the depths of hell appear under Western Sydney and suck Combank Stadium into it? I don't know. I probably wouldn't be surprised if it did at this point. <laughs> it's that Western happened. Sydney Wanderers. I don't know. They should be good. Will they be good? I don't know. If that happens, and then like Joey's getting on like ABC to like let them know, like, oh my God, like, this absolute insane thing has happened. Once. You go, yeah, it's uh, not surprising uh, given the history. I, uh, I predicted it. I predicted it. Yeah, exactly. Can I just say? Can I just um, say, before, yeah, sorry, Stole, Stole, just quickly. Can we please clip up that bit of Joey saying, I don't know, and put like trap rap music underneath it? Because it's, <laughs> it's it's like uh, like a man's not hot, but like Joey's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna be a hit. Um, Oz uh, via Facebook says, and this is like anyone in the comments. I just want you to be our eyes and ears on the ground. That's what Oz is doing. That's why he's such a good commenter. He says it's true. The vibes are good. This is a TNC exclusive. Every time I drive past Rudy Hill on the M7, they look happy. So Oz is probably going 80 k's an hour. He probably sees them <laughs> for half a second, and he is deduced. But the vibes are good. I love it. If you drive past an A-League training ground, let us know. Give us a vibe check. Uh, and we will... Uh, Geraldo, oh, look. Can I say Geraldo? Over under 18 and a half games for another Western Sydney Wanderers rebuild to be get. I'll take the unders. I'll take the unders. <laughs> no, no, honestly, like you talk about driving by. Based off the, the many drives I've done up and down Olympic Boulevard throughout this offseason and see Melbourne Victory train, I can definitely say... The vibes are good, man. Like, just oh. seeing that, you know, you just drive past quickly, go, yep, they're good. Vibe. They're good there. Vibes are good. All right, look, I'll tell you where the vibes are good. Uh, if you want to talk about Perth Glory, what you got to do is you got to cross uh, to Belgium to talk to the, the Perth Glory expert, Ben Smith. Can I just say, Ben, before... Yeah, before you say it, like Western Australia basically has been like Belgium for the last two years being another country. So you're not far off there, Stolen, your thing about saying I came for another country. Ben, defend your state. <laughs> if you want to get to uh, Perth, you actually have to fly via Brussels these days. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said uh, It's actually else. quicker... It's actually quicker to, you, like, if you want to go Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, you have to go Melbourne, Adelaide, Brussels, then connect in Thailand, then Perth. Uh, that's just the way, just the way things are now. Um, ben, tell us, uh, tell, look, for people who don't know, tell us, like, the Perth Glory situation, what's going on with the home ground, how much is that affecting uh, the team, and is there any hope of this team making the finals? I am strangely optimistic about the glory this year um i'm not i think the stadium stuff will be sort of overblown i mean hbf park don't get me wrong it's one of the best stadiums in the a-league men's it's uh, one of the most underrated stadiums in the league to mine and it's, you know the turf's great uh, it's a fantastic facility i'm not sure it has had the menacing aura that first oval did during the nsl days uh where you know Teams feared coming to, you know, the old Perth Oval. And uh, it's never been, you know, HBF Park, as amazing as it is, a wonderful facility, it's never had that same, uh, you know, uh, that kind of aura around it. So I think then being at Macedonia Park, it's not ideal, obviously. I think we'd all rather be at HBF Park. Uh, you know, I think they can make the best out of a bad situation. Um, 
I haven't been to Macedonia Park in a long, long time, so uh, I'm probably not the best person to comment on it. They're obviously doing some uh, very quick uh, upgrades on it at the moment to get it up to scratch for the start of the A-League, uh, A-League men's and women's season because the uh, women will be playing there as well. Um, you know, I think I said a few weeks ago, the best case scenario for it would be if it was anything like the Lower Hutt Stadium at Wellington, where they had that amazing atmosphere, it just kind of felt like a, you know, you had 7,000 fans packed in, uh, you know, to a tight area, um, and it kind of creates this fantastic, uh, you know, this uh, this fantastic vibe. I think that's the best they can hope for, but I don't think it's going to affect them, uh, you know, from an on-pitch perspective. Uh, I think they've actually recruited really well this off-season. Uh, you know, Andy Keogh, the new head of recruitment, has done a fantastic job. Um, you know, you look at the quality of the players they've brought in, and you know, okay, so you start with the Australian players. Ryan Williams is a you know a decent pickup. He's returning. Uh, then you have uh, Mustafa Romini, who was underwhelming at Sydney last year, but who knows? Maybe a uh, a bit of a sea change can help him rediscover some of his best form and then you have you look at some of the other guys they brought in uh, uh, Aaron McEniff is a player you know who uh, our own uh, young boy Lockie Flanagan uh, really rates and has uh, high hopes for him having watched him for heart uh, you know I remember talking to him I think last time I was on the spot he was really uh, eager to see how McEniff went at A-League men's level he was pretty uh, he was pretty optimistic about him um, They've brought in Ben Azabel to play up top alongside Bruno Fornaroli. He's a bit of a, you know, uh, not exactly sure uh, what he can bring to the table at this point. But, um, you know, he's going to be, I think the hope is that he strikes up a good relationship uh, up front with Fornaroli. You have uh, Salim Khalifi, who was a recent signing, uh, has played in the last five years Bundesliga, Bundesliga 2, and in the Swiss top division um, and he's 28 he plays on the wing he could be a really you know he's coming quite late in the uh, in the off season so uh you know there hasn't been too much hype around him i think you know just looking at his resume he's played two games for the tunisian national team he could be someone who you know has flies under radar but ends up being a really really good player at this level and i think mark beavers is a pretty good pickup uh for uh, uh you know for a defensive uh uh, bolstering of sorts because they really struggled defensively last year aside from Daryl Wackman. Um, spoke to someone a while back when Beavers was first signed who was a Peterborough fan and said uh, Beavers was a very good uh, League One centre-back. Struggled a bit at championship level but ultimately was pretty good at League One level. So, uh, I think they've I think switched it, on the microwave I, in Brussels, unfortunately. Oh, am I not coming through? No, he's, a, he's, no, he's yeah, coming through yeah. fine. I'm hearing in person. I think it's. I think, I think your microwave's on in Shepparton, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and also just uh, picking up where I left off. Um, you know, Stefan Kolakowski is a fantastic acquisition. Um, I really hope he gets the opportunities that he didn't really have at Melbourne City last year. Well, that was going to be my question for you, Ben. There at the end, Stefan Kolakowski, one of the new Australian players that they've picked up. He's moved, he left his boyhood club and moved over to Perth in search of more game time. Do you think he's actually going to get game time, given taking into account all the foreigners that have since arrived? And B, how much do you think he's going to enjoy playing at Macedonia Park? Well, I think he is, uh, you know, uh, the Macedonia aspect, yeah, he's already said he's quite excited, uh, you know, to be there, given his you know, heritage. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, 
Sterling, uh, Sterling Macedonia, who do who um, who play there, they obviously have a very strong Macedonian identity. They were called Sterling Lions for a while, and then uh, in the last two or three years, I think, uh, returned to the uh, traditional Sterling Macedonia name. So it's obviously very, very important to them. You know that that branch of their identity. Um, and I think I think he gets uh, chances. You know, even with all the uh, players they signed in the final third. I think he will get a lot of opportunities. Uh, I, I sure hope he does. He deserves them. You know, I still think back to the the uh, twenty twenty one A League Men's Grand Final where he was you know, second best player on the pitch after Marco Cilio. Uh So, yeah, I think I think the future's bright for him. You know, his immediate future in terms of uh, you know how much opportunity he gets this year. Um, but I think the biggest X factor for Perth is Ruben Zadkovic. You know, we don't really know much about him. As a coach, he was dealt the worst hand possible with all the injuries last year. So, uh, yeah, we're going to find out what type of coach he is uh, this year. And I think if he's a solid coach, I think Glory can make finals because I think they've got uh, they've improved dramatically in the off season, um, and I think they're flying under the radar a lot. Um, if you want to hear more or read more about uh, Perth Glory, uh, follow Ben Smith on Twitter. I can see that you've written something for Perth now about why you are strangely optimistic uh, about Perth. But Ben, I want you to enjoy your European holiday uh, because that's what all good TNCs do. Um, and if you want to take your shirt off and get on the podcast, you are welcome to. It's a good tradition that we keep around. <laughs> it's not a good tradition. I might get. Uh... <laughs> I might get uh, my uh, I might get kicked out of the country if I do that here, still. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, look, don't get kicked out of the country. We look forward to having you on the show uh, throughout the season to discuss Perth and the wider league as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. No Enjoy Thank Belgium, you, guys. Ben. All right. Um, we've done Wellington. We've done Wanderers. So we're down to our last team, and I have to go play football in less than 20 minutes. So, guys, give me your takes on Western United, and please be quick. Vamos! <laughs> They are they are running it back. They are very few additions, very few departures from that side that uh, were defensively stout, very difficult to de- to beat, especially when they were able to get an early goal. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Very few additions. Um, Tongo, blanking on his last name. Tongo, Dumbia, the new yeah. signing. Yeah, what Dubano said. Um, playing Dumbia. as the playing in the midfield. Also brought in Jimmy Troisi as another option moving forward. Going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out, especially also considering that this side is old as hell. Like they were old, they were they had an average age of thirty plus last season, and the majority of the starters are coming back. And in fact, they are adding thirty-four-year-old James Troisi as a starter. At some point, does that? come back who's playing around with the city at some point does that come back to bite them it's going to be very inter- very interesting to watch moving forward i fixed it nobody touched the layout no i, I was um, just i was just laughing because we looked like three you know of power rangers at zordon and like three versions of him just like three or three this is three fantastic heads. podcast listening for everybody are listening in but um, the vibes, undoubtedly, we've talked about vibes a lot on this show. They're going to be good in that dressing room. Western United as a club, they're adding an A-League women's side. It feels like they come together a bit more. Remiss of me if I didn't point it out. Stadium. Yeah. yeah that's going to keep coming up as well. As a um, I, 
Yeah, I think Western United are going to be right up there again this year, guys. Um, oh, yeah. I think the fact that even though that this is a year older with a lot of these guys, I do think that they're still just going to be too good defensively. And even going forward with that, you know, basically the retaining of Alexander Prijevic is so massive. And I know that he hasn't had a full preseason this year, but he's not coming in, say, in the same shape as last year where it took him a lot of time to get going. And then once he did, he was sensational. I think it will take less time for him to really get off the ball. He might I don't know if he'll start tomorrow night against Melbourne City, but I think he's going to play a big role in that game nonetheless. Um, and even 25 minutes of Alexander Prijevic tomorrow could be enough to win a game for Western United against uh, Melbourne City, as we saw in the grand final. But... Um, you know, there is always the danger of running it back and not necessarily, you know, adding many players. But, I mean, Tongo Dumbia comes into midfield. He basically replaces Rene Kirhin if he can stay fit. You know, Kirhin struggled to stay fit and had some other personal sort of matters that he had to attend to, which made his time at Western United quite difficult. But Dumbia comes in. He could be a solid acquisition there. I mean, Seb Pasquale is in the squad tomorrow. So he's like a brand new signing for them if he can really get off the ground. And uh, word is John Aloisi has spoken glowingly of how Pasquale has come along this offseason. So hopefully, just hopefully, we can see the best of him this year. Um, but again, we're going to see the the continual development, you know, as much as they play older guys, of some of the guys coming through. I mean, some of those younger guys like Lockie Way, like Dylan Piraeus, even like someone like Ben Garuccio, who's just going to keep getting more minutes, I think is going to be key for them. And if that defense stays fit, it's formidable. So I'd like to see more of the kids potentially come through this year. Guys like Nick Milanovic, Reese Bozanovsky, the aforementioned Pasquale, who is still technically a kid. I mean, he's still, what, 23, 22 years old um, to see what they can do this season. But I still have Western United potentially going back to back this year. Um, but if not, it'll be a deep finals run nonetheless. I'll be very surprised if there's any sort of sharp dip. I've got one concern. Uh, the Troisi signing, I don't think it really makes sense to me um, because Diamante's supposed to be coming back and they're kind of going to be playing similar roles. They're not going to play with both Troisi and Diamante mm. in the same team, surely. Otherwise, that will severely compromise them defensively. And last season, when they actually had Lockie Wales playing as a 10, that made them all the more defensively resilient because they were able to press teams a little bit more in the middle of the pitch and stop teams from advancing the ball. So I don't really get the Troisi sign. It doesn't really make sense to me um, if Diamante is going to play significant minutes. If he's not, maybe that makes more sense. But then Nick Milanovic's progression to the first team, I think he's a hugely promising player. He's got so many players in the way now. So I think Milanovic might have to move clubs to get first-team football. Well, I think Diamante, it depends on when he's going to return. I mean, he's not in the squad tomorrow, um, and I think it will take some time for him to get back to any sort of semblance of full fitness. And um, in again, shout out to Anna Harrington. Her piece with uh, chatting to Alessandro Diamante at the season launch was said, basically, when I come back, I want to stay back. Like, I want to make sure I'm 110% ready to go because I don't want to come back for a false start. I want to be there for the entire time. So um, this is basically the Alessandro Diamante farewell tour, you know, He's hinted that this is probably going to be it for him. Um, He's not hinted in that chat. I was in that chat as well with Diamante and Harrow. He said this is flat out his last season. Yeah, but then he he said, said, you never know. You never know. And that's... that's, Uh, that's His tone... Was, he was yeah, talking. sure. Less okay. Sense. Well, look, it's important I think, for the club I think, that they yeah. keep it fresh. That's that's what I say. <laughs> yeah. Look. Anyways, um, but just in regards to to that, I, I think the Troisi will probably have a bigger role, Josh, in the early stages of the season while Diamante gets back to full fitness. But you are right. 
don't think they'll play together. I'm curious to see, especially how they line up tomorrow with a guy like potentially Lockie Wales playing in behind or whether they might start Nick Milanovic. Nick Milanovic has seen a lot of minutes this preseason and has looked very good by all reports as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Surprised, but surprised nonetheless if, if, if Milanovic gets the minutes that you're talking about. But anyway. We'll One see. point that I want to make quickly before we get to our predictions and Nick Stoll has to run, also interested to see how many minutes uh, Noah Botic gets. Um, former, yeah. former Dylan Tombetis medalists, former uh, Australian representative on the Guardians' next-gen list. Can he, after a disrupted preseason last season, can he kick on again this season? But Stoll, you're in a hurry, so... I'm in a hurry. So, look, I'm going to give my predictions just straight away, and then you guys continue the show and do whatever you want. All right, Stoll, uh, I'll tee you up, and you respond go. to me. So, Stoll, who are your premiers? Uh, Melbourne Victory. Who are your champions? Uh, Melbourne Victory. Who's your wooden spoon? Uh, Perth Glory. Who is your coach of the year? Um, Arthur Pappas. Who is your golden boot winner? Beckham Mikkel Tadze. Who is your young player of the year? Uh, does Daniel Azani count as young player of the year? No. Um... <laughs> Actually, he might. So, yes, you can name him if you want, I think. He's on the oh, he's under 23? He's under 23. No, no, no. He's 23, yeah. So, no, Daniel Azani doesn't count. Uh, okay. In that case, I will go... Jeez, who even plays young players in the A-League? Um, um, Thurgate? How old's Thurgate? Too old. Actually, no, he might not be. I think he might be able to get away with Angus Thurgate. Thurgate. Angus Thurgate. He just looks old because of the hair, but he's young. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and Johnny Warren medalist. Johnny Warren medalist. Daniel Lazzani. Okay, and (laughs) Daniel Lazzani, and give us one headline. One headline that we'll see this season. This will make headlines. Uh, um, One headline. Um... <laughs> UFO abducts multiple players <laughs> come January. <laughs> hell right, hell opens off. up underneath. Thank you very Pompeg much for your Stadium. contributions. <laughs> Go and play football. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Enjoy. Magic success. Still score some goals. All right. All right. I'll tell you what. Now, who wants to go next? Dubano. All right. Dubano. Premiers. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Premiers. Melbourne Victory. Champions. Western United. Wooden Spoon. Brisbane Raw. Coach of the year. Um, geez, that's a tough one. Uh, Nick Montgomery. Golden Boot. Jason Cummings. Um, young player of the year. Nestor Irankunda. Johnny Warren medalist. Um, I'm going to say Daniel Arzani. Give me a headline for the coming season. Um, Cummings scores six in six book spot, uh, in world book spot and world cup squad. Um, yeah, that's it. Six and six. He's there. All right. I wasn't laughing at you then, Dubano. Just a message came up in the group chat and I was just like the picture I <laughs> burst out laughing. My apologies. Um, Josh Parrish, Premiers. Oh, I'm, I'm not ready for this. Uh, Melbourne Victory. Champions. MacArthur. Oh! I think, uh, I think they make a finals run. I think, it's a, I think it's from third or fourth. MacArthur, they make a finals run. Bit of magic. Dwight York, lifting the toilet seat again. 
<laughs> Could you imagine? Hey, Joey, just on that, Joey, remember when you said um, you're like, oh, like the, the the whole trend of like Western United doing it, and then MacArthur's yeah. now following in the they same do. trend yeah. as the expansion clubs. You never know. Um, what am I up to? Did you say you wouldn't spoon, Josh? Ah, uh, Perth no, Glory. Wooden spoon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ben Smith. It's Perth Glory. Coach of the year. Coach of the year. Um, could be Dwight York. <laughs> There we I go. think it Gold. could be Dwight York. I'm, uh, look, I'll go Arthur Pappas because I said the Jets are going to make finals. I think Arthur Pappas. Uh, uh, so, Golden Boot. Golden Boot? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Joey. I don't me. know. Jamie, just I'll say Jamie McLaren. Then. I'll say Jamie McLaren because I'm boring. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> young Player of the Year. Name a player under 23. I don't know. Nestori Iran Kunda. There we go. Johnny Warren medalist. Nanny. Give me a headline for the coming season. Uh, Steve Corica in trouble before January. Awesome. So for me, I have uh, Premiers. I have Melbourne uh, City. Champions, Melbourne Victory. Wooden Spoon, Brisbane Raw. Coach of the Year, I have a tie between Ufuk Tale and Arthur Pappas. Golden Boot, I have Becca Mikkeltadze. Young Player of the Year, I have Callum Talbot. Johnny Warren Medalist, I have Daniel Arzani. And Headline, we might see um, Daniel Arzani's blistering start to the season wins him a place in Australia's World Cup squad. <laughs> Man, this pot has gone so big on Daniel Arzani. Unreal. Oh, my God. Oh, now, I, I, I'm seeing... This is getting out of hand. Now there are two <laughs> now of them. there are two of them. Okay. Um, Nick Stoll is gone. That is the conclusion of our under one hour uh, A-League season <laughs> preview, which part two has gone one hour and 18 minutes after part one went around. Hey, <laughs> took Stoll, half an hour. Stoll in the mud. Stole in the mud. Still a, almost we said, we said it was going to be an espresso edition. Uh, what we actually meant by that was we were going to cut to Ben Smith we, drinking an espresso in yeah. Brussels. If we, we go five more minutes, curriculum. if we go five more minutes, we reach the vaunted two hours accumulative. I can't even get this word out. Accumulatively over two podcasts. So you know what? We still are winners, baby. We I have to go and make dinner. I have to go and make bolognese. Um, yeah, well, are I'm you making it from scratch? Too, so. You're not making it out of a jar, are you, Joey? No, 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 I make my sauce. I make everything from scratch. Um, do it better than an Italian ever could. Oh! Oh! Um, <laughs> oh! 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 Uh, right, hey, bring some that. to work tomorrow. Bring some to the box. I want to. I want to give it a t- the, the sauce a taste test, Joey. I want to see if you're actually if you if you're nailing it or not. Okay. With that, that has been the National Curriculum's A-League Men 2022-2023 season. Nick Stoll was with us, but he has departed. Thank you very much, Josh Parrish. Thank you ever so much, Nick DeBarno. My name has been Joey Lynch. We will be back at the regularly scheduled time of 7.30pm-ish on Sunday evening potentially with a special guest who I haven't been given been given permission to hype up yet. So keep your mouth shut. But for now, thanks and success as we go out. I'm not even going to play the closing stingers. Goodbye for now.